0: really good everybody. this is Nathan Albach and welcome to the podcast where we get into people's stories and go down a bunch of rabbit holes about what's really good in the world. And I'll tell you what's really good right off the bat. Um, It's really good to be back podcasting after a bit of a hiatus. For those of you who follow the show, you might know that I've picked up a lot of freelance work these past few months. So I haven't had as much time uh, to record, which really sucks. And I've been saying this in the past few intros I've done, but I do plan to release more regular content soon. Whether it's through this specific podcast or on a future Twitch channel. Uh, So stay tuned. It's all coming. I'm just constantly overfilling my plate. But enough about me, Uh, let's just jump into this thing. For today's episode, I had a tremendous time chatting with Dave Jorgensen, the man behind The Washington Post's iconic TikTok account. Uh, Dave also produces other shows for The Post, like uh, Department of Satire and Short Takes, which can both be found on YouTube or their website. I also learned afterward that he hosts his own podcast called Survivor Top 10, which recaps Survivor episodes. It's still on. Who knew? (laughs) Well, I know because my wife's obsessed with Survivor, which we get into on the show a little bit. Um, I I got all that linked in the show notes, uh, along with a recent piece that featured him in The Atlantic, which was super cool. And uh, of course, a link to his Twitter account where he gives like behind the scenes commentary about his work, just similar to what I do. If you're into that, it's all good. If not, It's also all good, but uh, we took a deep dive into his background throughout this show, Um, just how he got into TikTok last year, uh, what the process has been like personally and internally with his coworkers. We also ripped about the state of online media for a bit and got into the platform's culture at large, which is uniquely dominated by Zoomer humor for those of you who don't know <laughs> but it is continually expanding demographics more every day, including the uh, boomers like us and I just read actually that it's closing in on a billion monthly users which just for scale uh, both Facebook and YouTube currently have around two billion monthly users so, It's just insane. It's already like half of that um, if it maintains this uh, level of growth. And plus, we uh, also talked about spam, Aaron Carter, and just overall why I now believe that uh, him and my wife were actually meant to be together. So, uh, no, I won't spoil it anymore here. That's just, that's all you get. So please enjoy and uh, please rate the podcast on iTunes or wherever you have it if you dig it. Now let's get into what's really good. Dave, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm pumped. Good. This is going to be a fun one. I've been wanting to do this since I met you at uh, the, the conference, the Social Fresh Conference. Good. Uh, just like when I met you, I drank like a whole thing
1: of coffee just now, so I'm twitching. <laughs>
0: so I'm getting the real you, go. the real you that I met before. The real, yes, yes, the real me, which is uh, full of coffee, I suppose. That's the DC <laughs> me, too. Perfect. Oh, man, yeah. I, I... D- the D.C. life, I mean, you're right in the, the sort of epicenter of media and politics right now. I can't even imagine being down there this time in in history.
1: <laughs> it's so, you know, it, do- it doesn't even make, I-, I don't think anyone is processing, you know, both as a country, but specifically in D.C., what's going on. It's kind of like we all ran this marathon from 2015 to 2016, and then I could see a lot of people getting ready to take a breath and then, you know. The unexpected happened, and Donald Trump got elected, and everyone's like, "Oh, we're gonna run the marathon again." And we've just been doing <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it over and over again, and now we're like, "It's another election." Like, I guess I'll run that
0: marathon. So uh, yeah, everybody's it's, running on fumes at this point. Exactly. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's um, it's a crazy time. Crazy time to be alive, especially like working in journalism and media, yep. which. I want to get into with you throughout this whole conversation just because I feel like, specifically, what you do doing these TikToks for the Washington Post is such a interesting sort of intersection between the sort of new age internet advertising marketing world and like trying to relate to young people. But then at the same time, you're also trying to not just preserve uh, a media institution and publication, but try to like make it relevant and appealing. To young people, so like, was this whole thing your idea, or like, like how how did this whole thing come to be? I guess from the from the get go. Yeah, it was it was my idea for better or worse. Uh, I think they say for better now, but uh, you know <laughs> when I pitched it, they're like, I, yeah, okay. it's safe to say, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I I think back in March, I really wanted to pitch it. I didn't even really know the platform yet. I just understood. Um, like how it worked. I di- I didn't even fully understand the culture at that point or all the different especially I didn't know all the memes. I just kind of looked at it and I said, "Okay, this works for everything that I'm good at." And you know, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I I'm good at editing and writing short bits, and I was like, "This this plays to my strengths." So, mm. I kind of pitched it on that and I'd been at The Post at that point almost two years, so I'd, I'd built enough trust where, you know, I wasn't just this new guy coming in like, we should do TikTok. And uh, <laughs> it was a little bit, you know, they, there's at least some understanding that I knew what I was talking about. And I was lucky enough that uh, another one of my coworkers, Teddy Ammonbar, um, who works on social the actual social team I don't work on the social team uh he kind of came in that meeting with me cuz I asked him to cuz he has been on TikTok and is still on TikTok and is obsessed with it and so he could answer all the really hard questions that they had that <laughs> I didn't know the answer to yet right uh yeah.
0: so yeah definitely my baby from the beginning what did you do for um, Washington Post before all this then were you just like in video production with them yeah, I was hired on the
1: what, what we now call the creative video team, uh, but even at the time, it didn't have a name. It was basically just early 2017. They announced, not only in video, but all across the company, just a bunch of new positions, uh, probably the most people they'd hired in a in that sort of group in a long time. And so there's this new creative video team, and now there's about 10 of us on it. And I was the first person hired to the post. There was already one other person there. And um, I basically was hired as writer editor and I can I, the person that hired me was my boss in my old job, and she kind of knew what I what I'm about and what kind of stuff I like to do. And so very quickly, I started doing political satire videos. I did sort of the series, which I still do from time to time, called Short Takes, where I interview kids on the street about anything. Yeah, uh, it's it's sort of like YouTube kids say the darndest things. The Art Link letter <laughs> one, not 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 the other one. And uh, and so it, it's you know I, I was doing that for a couple of years with. Some exceptions where I would help other people with their projects because everyone on my team runs different series. Uh, Like someone, she does, she did this series called Should I Freeze My Egg. So I helped a lot with that one. There's another series
0: where this person is Throwback Thursday. And I I just helped with a lot of people. Yeah, that's cool. So before getting hired there, then, like what what was kind of your background getting this? Amanda, you you mentioned like this is kind of a specific skill set you have for doing skits and, and editing and all that. I mean, were you doing video production or comedy prior to all this? Because you seem like a pretty natural personality as far as like not just being able to put the skits together, but just owning that that limelight in a way. Yeah, I think... I
1: like to think of my. Well, I don't like to think. I. I think unfortunately, I was never quite natural at it. I just did it so much that it comes off more natural now. <laughs> okay. um, I. I you know I just am so extroverted in that way where I like to make people laugh, and so that's where that everything sort of stems from. Like uh, in college, I. All I wanted to do was was be was work for a late show, and I knew that I could get this internship at Colbert Report because people at my school had previously gotten that, and that's like the reason I went to the school I went to, DePaul, mm. Um was I knew about this internship, which is crazy. Uh, I'm glad I did it, but in retrospect, like that internship was not guaranteed at all, right? Right. <laughs> uh, so that was great that that worked out. Uh, but so once I was at Colbert, and that was 2012, um, it was during the presidential election. And it was so much fun uh, watching what they how they just took the news in every single day and how they reacted to it. And I just kind of started to enjoy politics in that way. By the time I left, I realized like how much I knew about what was going on uh, just politically in the country, which I'd never at all been in even like somewhat aware of what was going on. So, uh, <laughs> and so I just, you know, from then politics just became something that was really interesting to me and really funny to just poke at uh, my sort of like class clown instincts came in and I just uh, within a, a year after school, I was already in DC because a friend of mine uh, was already here and and he was a friend from college that I did this late show with uh, at college. It was, it was called the pre-recorded late night show and we had, it was like SNL meets sort of how late night is now with digital shorts and all right. these, but, but I but I also had a desk and I would interview teachers and like the lunch lady and like all these different, just, it didn't really matter. We would just interview <laughs> someone and really weird stuff. We did like an Oprah style episode, uh, where we just had someone make a really big sandwich and then we just cut it up and threw out sandwiches and said, everyone oh gets a sandwich. <laughs> uh, we did all kind. It was, it was honestly, it was, it was really fun and creatively. Uh, it was like, the the best thing that could have happened to me especially as I was about to leave college and I spent more time on that
0: than any of my classes i was going to say uh, it it sounds like the the road was truly paved to to come to this point with tiktok
1: yeah yeah it really was it's and i never would have expected it i didn't even expect it until you know march of this year that i started to see like oh this this works for me uh and not to say that tiktok's the end all be all but it's certainly uh something that right now i'm obsessed with um and so yeah, my friend that I did that late show with, he went out to D.C. and he's working for this really small site called IJR, or at that time it was called IJ Review, uh, which was conservative leaning. And he's like, they want you to uh, to run the humor-based website on this conservative lean site. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how that works. Like. Yeah. People like to joke like, oh, you know, conservatives can't be funny, but there's kind of a little bit of truth to that, I think. Um, but I like the challenge. Uh, <laughs> I like. I re- and honestly, it was a great challenge to basically create this site that had to appeal to. For anyone from libertarians to what what would become Trump voters. Mm-hmm. And I was by the time Trump was elected, like I had known for two or three years what a Trump voter might look like. And I already knew where the party was going because I had been trying to make those people laugh for
0: three years right. right.
1: <laughs> so it was actually it became an asset pretty quickly, though it was really difficult. And while we were there, they kind of merged the humor site into i what became just i j dot com. and then we started making just basically videos all the time. Um, and they we started doing ones with presidential candidates. uh the one we did first that was like uh th- probably the the most popular from that time was Lindsey Graham smashing his cell phone. Uh, <laughs> and it was when Donald Trump gave out Lindsey Graham's phone number at a rally right. and <laughs> And the next day, we're like, actually, that night, someone on our team called one of his people they knew and was like, "Hey, do you want to like just smash your phone on camera for us?" He goes, "Okay, perfect." And so we had that video done by noon the next day, and it's so crazy. That was four and a half years ago, and Lindsey Graham is completely. the perception of him is the opposite now. It's it's so strange. Like he hated Trump both privately and publicly then, and so uh, it's it's crazy how
0: time. How there was, th- yeah, there was a lot of that flip flopping on like conservative media, even like even just on Fox in general, just like the general conservative.
1: Well, and that's, yeah, oh, and
0: I'm am sorry to keep interrupting. No, you're, good. you're good. It's there's a little <laughs> bit of a delay. It's fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Uh, so that that actually. That kind of led to the demise of our site in some ways was because there was no real identity. Um, the the site I worked for the the political news was leading right, but it was kind of leaning center right, mm. and they like quickly couldn't really thrive in this new Trump age. And the site started to collapse. Everyone that I worked with started going everywhere else. Um, Like pretty much half the people that started Axios were my former coworkers. um, And they all just jumped ship there. A lot of people went to CNN and and by the end of it, I was, it was basically like me and my buddy Colin, the guy who got me hired from college. And we were like the two left on the raft. (laughs) Like the (laughs) ship had sunk a long time ago. And Colin was like, I'm just going to (laughs) quit. Oh man. And then I, I kind of laid on the raft a little longer until I found rescue at the Washington Post. <laughs> uh, but he, don't worry. He got a job at Axios not long after that, too. So, <laughs> so it's yeah, a happy ending. All. Yeah, all of it's a happy ending. Everyone I worked with there was honestly great, and they all had their own happy endings because that company just hired 22-year-olds out of college that would you know work for any you know paycheck. And they just happened to hire a lot of people that were really smart and really good at what they do. So that was that was a really good experience in retrospect.
0: It's all it's crazy too. Just like listening back to you, kind of lead up to all this and how your background and kind of your your introduction almost to the political satire or whatever that world, like the sort of Stephen Colbert late night world, and then kind of getting into it's like poking fun and like with the memes and and sort of uh, immersive videos in comedy that that surrounds politics today. It's just interesting how most people—I mean, there's there's obviously, like, massive audiences for prestigious publications like The Washington Post or The New York Times or The Atlantic or Wall Street Journal or whatever. Like, they they've always had their audiences, and I'm sure they always will to some extent. But you and I both know from kind of growing up on the Internet that there's also mass, mass demographics of people—not just kids, but just people in general who, especially today, with access to the Internet, they don't really— they're not interested in politics in, like, a serious way where they're reading long-form pieces on the Atlantic or, you know, waiting for these really serious segments that are analyzing foreign policy or whatever. Like, they're getting their bits and their information from people like John Oliver or, you know, some, like, satire news person who just does bits, whether it's on Twitter or YouTube or whatever. So it's interesting how, like, you kind of experience that intersection of bit going into the Washington Post, which isn't really, I mean, it's a much more prestigious platform than, say, like a late-night show. But you're kind of bringing in that newer, uh, almost like a necessity, because, like, you and I both know, I mean, I'm sure some of the people there pushed back and I'd be interested to hear like what your experience was like in the <laughs> beginning there because uh-huh. we both know that yeah obviously there's a massive difference between the late night type comedy political commentary or whatever and then the more prestigious media institutions but at the same time like they're reaching completely different audiences so you get to kind of bridge the people between them in some way. So like, I don't know, did you get to communicate that vibe at all? Like to the people you were working with when you were trying to like pitch this and explain it or like, what was your experience if that wasn't accurate at all? Yeah, <laughs> that was, I, this, no, this no that was,
1: you know, <laughs> your take is, your take is accurate. Uh, the, the only, the only edit I would make to it is that, uh, and we'll get into that part later, but the reception was, has been mostly positive. I would say like almost overwhelmingly positive in a way that, uh, is almost unexpected. Just, from what we've done so far, uh, within my coworkers at the post, but, uh, bringing it back, I think, you know, I I mentioned that the sort of two years I'd been there already, the way that we would justify things then is we'd be like, even just the satire page was a, was really hard to pitch Mm -hmm. because we actually pitched it as its own separate YouTube channel called department of satire. And they were really resistant, resisting to it at first, but we kind of were like, Hey, satirical cartoons have been part of the newspaper since Ben Franklin, you know, wrote that join or die snake. And he was trying to get people to, uh, join the union. Like it's something that's existed for an extremely long time. Um, and video is just the next version of it. Uh, it was it was especially helpful that we could point to her block who was the cartoonist for the post for 60 years and won like multiple pulitzers there you so- go Certainly, we're not going to win a Pulitzer from TikTok unless they <laughs> very quickly change the descriptions of the categories. Um, but that was enough to be like, OK, satire, political satire, especially has a place here at The Post. And so by the time I, I pitched TikTok, it wasn't that hard to make sort of the second leap into, uh, you know, TikTok is actually something really relevant. And, and also, I was brought on to bring in younger audiences. I, I sort of I didn't mean to admit that earlier, but part of the creative video team's main goal was to bring in millennials and and Gen Z and all that because, you know, the post still has a pretty strong subscriber base, but it's, it very heavily leans, towards people's in their in their 40s, 50s and 60s.
0: Right, right, right. Totally. Yeah. And I I remember reading somewhere that you had mentioned the whole bit about the political cartoons, but I think it's such an important point because when looking at a lot of these sort of new experimental areas of, of marketing and advertising for media, I mean, it is a brand new landscape. I mean, we're like we're in uncharted territories in a way, so it's helpful to be able to parallel like what's going on right now to things that we've experienced in the past because I I've, I've seen a couple people, not just through your uh, like interviews that you've done, but just in general online, talk about this type of marketing or whatever, and they'll say like, oh, it kind of trivializes the news or the institution of journalism. It kind of makes it feel like it's less serious. But to yeah, to what you're saying there, I mean, this is something that's always been tied in to these institutions in some way like maybe not like when you look at even just like the New York Times or whatever it's not like every single piece is this like super serious long form I mean, there's opinion pieces there's cartoons there's all these different legs to that institution so it sounds like you've thought plenty about this as you've gone along. Yeah and I've had to because you know uh, as you could guess
1: I've I've had to explain myself to a number of people both inside and outside the building uh, and why we're doing it and you kind of hit on one of the main things I Usually say which is that you know the politics section of the Washington Post is like one fifth of the actual newspaper we produce mm-hmm. every day, if if less. So uh, there's a lot of people uh, to highlight in our newsroom too that. Uh, That we do on TikTok almost every day. So that was another big part of the pitch was like, I'm going to be showing everyone in our newsroom and what they actually do. And if you actually, you know, look at the platform, you'll see where I'm commenting and replying on our own videos about who this person is and what they do. And, uh, you know, while it all seems very silly at times, and certainly we make very silly TikToks, um, the, the integrity is still there. Uh, in my opinion, and I feel pretty strongly about this, that I, I've never—it's li- not like I'm posting, you know, fake news or uh, everything we write that's uh, about a story that's going on. I basically have taken it directly from one of our Washington Post articles, so uh, the integrity still exists in terms of like we're not lying to people by any means. But you know, we are certainly being kind of having actual fun in the newsroom. And uh, I'm of the opinion that's a good
0: thing, that people should be smiling. <laughs> and, totally, uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> how, did, how did you initially – I'm just – I'm so interested in this whole bit about you collaborating with everybody in the newsroom. I think it's easily yeah. my favorite part of yeah. all the TikToks you do because at first when I started scrolling through them, I'm like, oh, it's cool. Like he collaborated with this department or whatever. That's sweet. And then as I'm going through, I'm like, holy – like he's literally collaborating with like everybody – at this company. So I mean, like how are, are there people with different opinions? Like, do some people not want to have their face shown? Like how, how is that whole collaboration process like with, uh, your coworkers? Um, so well, can I explain to you first how I sort of, how I thought no, you're not allowed, Dave. You're not allowed. <laughs> <Can I>? <laughs>
1: Please. <laughs> am I allowed to share uh, my feelings? Uh, so I, let me. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I need to explain how my own thought process works, and and to do that I, it requires explaining the extremely uh, nerdy part of myself. But I don't mean that in a self-deprecating way. I'm very proud of this. I, I'm obsessed with the show Survivor. I still am. Uh,
0: it's coming up on <laughs> season 40. Uh, uh, you should have married my wife. Is, <laughs> she married oh. the wrong tall bearded guy.
1: That's uh, uh, funny you say that because my wife in the other room right now has watched maybe one episode with me and she's just like, I don't, I don't really get it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I love survivor. I'm obsessed with it. I, I podcast about survivor. That's why I had this podcasting mic. Um, and I, I, I'm not as good as your mic. So, you know, oh, but, uh, yeah, gosh. Uh, but uh, I I love Survivor because uh, uh, basically for the strategy, it used to be about the survival part, and it still is to a small extent. But now it's much more about strategy and how you approach people and how you sort of uh, build alliances. And I kind of have liked thinking of all of this as sort of uh, in getting endorsements and alliances from other people. So I was very strategic about who I approached first to be in TikToks. Um, I knew that David Farenthold would do it, and you know obviously he's one of the most recent Pulitzer winning reporters in our newsroom. He's very well respected. And I knew he would say yes. So very early on, I got him in a TikTok. I got Wes Lowry, another Pulitzer Prize winning uh, person in a TikTok. Um, I got uh, Robin Gavon, who's our fashion reporter, who everyone is obsessed with and they should be. And so I knew that by putting these people in TikToks and having their, I mean, their faces there and then publishing it to Twitter, which was the biggest part of the strategy, uh, that I would start everyone else would start saying yes and the twitter part especially was really important because you know we do have a slack channel to watch Washington post but basically people find out about the post through twitter because as you know dc in general and politics they're all just very
0: it's just one big cesspool yeah, everybody knows each other and yeah yeah
1: And so just by posting on the Twitter, I knew that it would get some sort of outside momentum from that. And so it's funny because you you do get the momentum from TikTok, but Twitter itself has actually propelled it more and actually kind of given me job security as far as my job with making TikToks uh, because all the public support on Twitter makes, uh, you know, makes my bosses, everyone feel comfortable about us being on TikTok. And we also got Marty Barron on a TikTok probably like the third week in. And that was huge. Yeah. Um, and the thing about the the one with Marty is I think it's hilarious. Not a single person on TikTok understood it. The whole joke was that there was, that Leev Schreiber was in the newsroom and we were really excited about it, but it was just Marty Barron. And basically Liev Schreiber played Marty Barron in the movie Spotlight. So like that joke <laughs> went over every single person's head on TikTok and every single person on Twitter got the joke
0: from DC. I was going to say you're expect- Expecting like the Zoomers to know journalists and yes,
1: yeah. yeah, there's no way. I knew it wouldn't work. It didn't work at all. They were the the only reason people must have liked it is I don't know our our convincing performance. I'm not really
0: sure. But, but on that uh, on that note, real quick, like have you? I'm just interested. Obviously, you've seen success from posting the TikToks to Twitter, but have you seen or talked to anybody specifically about? people who have specifically downloaded TikTok because of you, like when you post TikToks through and they're like, oh, I wasn't on TikTok before, like now I'm going to join because I've seen your stuff. For sure.
1: I get that. I get a tweet or, or message probably two or three times a week now that someone will say, Basically, exactly that. Like, I downloaded TikTok because of these. That's awesome. Uh, it's funny. Sometimes they'll come back later and they'll be like, I think I made a mistake, but I'll still follow. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, totally fine, because what they always – that part of that sentiment is they're like, but I still want to follow your content. So yeah, they want to
0: support I, I, you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that by itself is Sorry great. But yeah. I thought that was – yeah, just wondering.
1: Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, and yeah, so I mean just – there's that overall strategy, but in terms of the reactions of people, um, it's really been – Very positive. Every so often we will shoot a TikTok and someone appears in the background. Uh, for example, I I won't say this person's name because I completely respect this colleague and I understand why they wouldn't want to be in it. But a colleague was in the background of a TikTok and it actually was really funny the moment they appeared. Uh, And so I wanted to include it and I showed them, they're like, no. (laughs) But but it was all, yeah, it it sucked, but it was like, I completely get it. Totally, totally. That happens one in a hundred times, actually. So it really wasn't a big deal, but that's all to say that People aren't even negative about it. At the worst, they're just like, "No, I don't
0: want to be in it." So, yeah, and you got to respect that. I mean, it's like yeah. it's up there forever. And just <laughs>
1: yeah. And you know, I, I think one thing, and I've said this before, uh, you know, and other like little interview things, but uh, I, I really want the TikTok account to to reflect the Washington post newsroom. And the newsroom is like really very dorky, funny, but very like people have a really good sense of humor. Uh, our video team sits right next to sports and sports is just like, there's one person there. Uh, she was just in a TikTok. She was in the, the fish joke, TikTok where I, I told her a joke and she covers her face in her hands. Cindy, uh, Boring, And she is just constantly just like yelling at no one. She'll just like say something out loud and just laugh to herself. And it's the best. (laughs) And I haven't been able to capture that moment on like my phone yet. But uh, there's just a lot of like movement in the newsroom, as you'd expect, but also just a lot of personalities. And so it's great that people actually get to see that.
0: Yeah, it definitely comes through and all the TikToks. I'm always so impressed. It it literally feels sometimes where I'm like, are these Did they take acting classes or something? Like, some of the people are so just naturally funny and enthusiastic about what's going on, which is... Which kind of just immediately negates the question I had before, which is it's obvious that people are excited to be in them. Like no one, no one in the videos looks like they're being forced to be there, and if they do, it's like on purpose, like they're acting, and it's very clear that they're acting. Like what is going on right now? <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: And you know, I, I well, first of all, everyone's very positive because I think that's uh, the leadership of the company. I think Marty Baron himself is very good at. Uh, encouraging people to try new and exciting things. That's why I felt I could pitch TikTok in the first place. But I think also, you know, bringing it back, like my previous job, I learned a lot about egos and, and everyone has an ego. I have an ego, you have an ego, like just how to work with different people and making sure that they feel like they are uh, contributing and that you're it, like, that I'm not the star of the show, or if they don't want to be the star that, like just feeling right about their appearance in the TikTok and the level of, uh, attention they're going to get, because that's just, that's something you have to think about, unfortunately, or fortunately, just, it's just, does that make sense what I'm saying? Oh, no, like absolutely.
0: To, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. That, that ties exactly in what I was thinking while you're explaining all that. I wanted to ask you in the process then of collaborating with your coworkers, I mean, obviously you're, at the helm editing these videos and like coming up with the skits, but like, is there a process where you collaborate the ideas themselves with your coworkers or is the idea something that you come up with, you flesh it out and then you're kind of like directing people, you know what I mean? Like or or are they like, or is sometimes do you come across someone who has that stronger ego and is like, I'm thinking this, like what if I did this? Like, are you kind of, collaborating in that way? Or is it more like you have a vision and you're like, Hey guys, like let's execute this and here's how we're going to do it. Yeah. I would say, uh, 90% of the time when someone says, I want to
1: try this, or I have this TikTok idea, I I'll just do it. And I'll, and I'll ba- and I, we always kind of agree, like, let's do it your way. And let's do it with the way I was thinking. And I honestly, like 50% of the time, it, it, well, it goes either way, you know, mm-hmm. every other time, like it really, so that's, and the reason I think we can do that is because TikToks are, honestly, because TikToks are 15 seconds. So, uh, it allows me to be like, you know, we can just reshoot this part. It's going to take literally seven seconds. So that, that helps a lot. Um, but I, yeah, in general, that's the part, uh, where I have to keep myself most in check. So I, at one point created this TikTok Slack channel where people can post their ideas at any point in any time. And that was so great because people, you know, are constantly putting ideas in there. I told anyone, if you have like a really big idea, just email me. And so everyone, uh, can contribute ideas to a point where I always have like sort of a backlog of different TikToks we can do it. And I think most of the time we end up doing at least a version of a TikTok someone wanted to be in. That's
0: awesome. Um, I love that. Yeah.
1: And, and I realized really quickly that uh, a variety of people on TikTok is like anytime I can bring in a new person in the newsroom that wants to be in a TikTok, it, that TikTok does well based I pretty much every time. I keep saying 90%, but it's true. Like it really is like everything on TikTok is just so Leaning towards uh, positive, and even in that way, where like a new person they're interested, they want to know who this is. And the best thing about the post is, I have like 400 more coworkers who still haven't been to TikTok.
0: Oh my god, so there's endless so many content, options. endless content, <laughs> <laughs> the content farmer's dream. I'm interested to know, like, just generally, when you went into this whole thing. I mean, obviously, there's a learner's curve for anybody who joins a new platform like this. You have to kind of spend time figuring out what the culture is like and, and how you ought to be on it and everything. But but for you specifically, I mean, you kind of developed this persona, which from meeting you, it feels similar to me, at least in my job with Stakem and the other brands I manage. Like I get the opportunity to largely be myself, like not 100 percent, right. obviously, but I can kind of project my personality into the brands I work with. And it feels for meeting you in real life and even talking to you now, it feels like your real personality is similar to this persona, but it also mm-hmm. has that kind of like dad edge almost or like, like yeah. you're like kind of goofy it's like you're a boom you're not even a boomer like you're a like a millennial person who knows you are seen as a boomer to zoomers yeah. so you're trying to like balance your perception yeah. by being like light so like how, how did you go about i guess developing that and how do you see yourself operating on the platform like amidst the kind of the culture of zoomers you sort of described it better than I have, honestly. Uh, it's everything is heightened, so yeah. Like I,
1: I thought everything down to um, how the profile was built. I was, I created the TikTok profile as if I were a boomer, mm-hmm. so that's why it says, you know, instead of it saying Washington Post in our title, it says we are a newspaper because I thought it would be funnier, if <laughs> you know, if a boomer is logging a TikTok, they don't know what they're, they're just writing the description, like they're not thinking about. Basically, like I've accidentally put, we are a newspaper. That was the joke. That was the reason I put that. Um, But now it's also
0: kind of ironic. So like, it
1: feels like it could be either way. (laughs) It does. It works on so many levels, and I love when people save the video because it, you know, every TikTok at the end it has that your profile and it just says we are a newspaper, which is so funny. (laughs) It's great just to see that at the end of uh, you know 144 year old newspaper. Anyway, um, so there's that, and then um, I, I just. Yeah, I, I basically like to act like I'm a boomer. I like to. There was one other part of the profile I can't remember that I did. That was oh, uh, the following. Uh, I only followed two people. One is an account called New York Times, but it's clearly just a kid from I don't know where. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: And <laughs> so um, good. And
1: I just that was everything. That I was like, oh, if I was like a boomer on Twitter, I would I might follow the wrong account that says NY Times, but is clearly just some kid. Right. And about about every two weeks, still I'll comment on his pro on the one. video he has and say, follow me back. Like, Hey, how are you? Like, I'll be very, (laughs) I I try to ambulate what I've seen on Facebook before where, you know, you see someone who's like commenting on a picture and has nothing to do with the picture. Right. So, uh, I try to do that a lot. Um, and the other person we follow is Ashton Kutcher. If it is Ashton Kutcher, he's not using the profile. There's no videos. He doesn't have many followers. Most of the followers this account has now is because we follow it. Um, because I was thinking like, if if I was a boomer who was trying to be really cool, I might have looked up Twitter early days and realized – and you, I don't know if you remember this, but like Ashton Kutcher was like – Yeah, like, in like 2009 like, or something, right? Yeah, so I was like, oh, this person would think Ashton Kutcher would also be really into TikTok early <laughs> <up."> on. <So,
0: laughs> you thought so deep about Yeah, yeah
1: That's not more – deeper about that than I do about most of our videos. Oh, but I, that's I great. Like, very, yeah, so very much that. And you basically described it. Like, yeah, clearly I'm a millennial. I'm I'm 28 years old, but like clearly uh I like I don't know. I, I just I just want that I want it to be heightened. I want it to be. Do you remember like when you were 13 and like the 15-year-olds in high school looked like they were 40? Like yes. I So I, I like to think of it that way. Like if I was 15 right now and I saw 28-year-old me, I'd be like, oh, that guy's like Probably 44. Like, I wouldn't know.
0: I'd have no idea. uh. (laughs) My wife's constantly reminded me of this in public because there's so many times, like, some teenager will, I don't know, like, yell something on the street, and I think it's funny, and I want to interact with them. And she'll be like babe, like you have to remember you're the creepy old guy now. And I'm just like, yeah. ah, like I keep forgetting. Like, and
1: certainly the beard helps, you know, like you have a fantastic beard. And and I, <laughs> I have a, a pretty good beard. I don't, I'm not brave enough to grow it as long as you do. But, uh, the, the one time while we're just on the, our, our wife's conversation, the one time I've shaved it when I've even known my wife, she was like, you have to grow it. Like, I don't even want to see you for a week <laughs> She, she was so because I look, I lose about, you know like eight years at least so well, maybe uh, you
0: need to do that just for tiktok like i've thought about it trust me but (laughs) i
1: still think about that moment where i still believe that she was like i might leave you (laughs) yes
0: the marriage was holding on by a thread just yeah or by a couple hairs but uh, (laughs) how dare you you. oh man no that's like that's so true though i mean absolutely because i feel the exact same way navigating the platform where i just feel so old even though obviously i know i'm not and i work on social media for a living so i spend so much time still like consuming content from younger creators just trying to keep up with things but to a certain point point, then mean, you literally can't and then even if you try to unironically you are then like fulfilling the boomer prophecy of just becoming like the try hard who's look, their time is up and now the kids get to make fun of you. So you kind of have to find that like weird, like, I, I don't know what the guy's That's name exactly
1: is. That's exactly right, though. It's, le- it's leaning into it. It's leaning into just being yeah, a boomer. I exactly. Post
0: it. And yeah. you, might, you might know the guy, um, he's a pretty popular TikToker. I, I forget his name, but he's like got to be in his 40s, maybe his 50s. And he always wears like a baseball cap and kind of like hip like Nikes or nice shoes. And he always has like a basketball or something. <laughs> and he does, like, the little dance moves where he throws the ball and catches it. And
1: I, I haven't seen this, but... Then... Oh, I'll I'll send, I'll send this guy them. to you. I, I, I okay. don't
0: follow him, but I see his stuff on the For You uh, page once in a while. And uh-huh. he's clearly, like, he's older and he's trying to be cool, but he knows that it comes off ridiculous and corny. So he just, right. like, plays into that. And, it like, the sort of self-awareness makes it funny. And, like, the kids enjoy it because of that. Like, they wouldn't enjoy it if he was, like being dead-ass serious, like, I'm really trying to be cool with these hip dances, so that's, it's, it's an interesting line that people like you and I have to be walking while we're trying to be relevant, but at the same time, like, acknowledging we literally can't be relevant to a bunch of teenagers or, like, kids in their early
1: 20s. Yeah, and I, and I think that, like, you know, the basically i would say probably millennials like i think you and i have a really good sense of like bullshit on the internet but like gen z really has a great bs detector um of like who is being genuine and who is not and i think when you're sincere in your awareness of yourself like when you're self-aware they get it and they're okay with it like when you're that guy who's you know trying to be a little bit jokingly, trying to look younger with his Nikes and the basketball, or if you're me and I'm like acknowledging that I I don't know what's going on (laughs) or I'm trying to be a visco girl or whatever's hat. Like they, they respond to that much more than someone who's actually just trying to, uh, blend in like very seriously. Like, you know, the, the, what was the story that came out today with the, uh, the former TikToker who made up a fake account. That's clearly him. Uh, and he's now given all the assets to it. Oh, Hi, I, don't, I don't think I saw the story. Um, it's, it's worth looking up. I'll, I'll look it up later for you, but uh, he's, he now goes by Troy, and it's clearly the same person, but he's been pretending that he's he's a 24-year-old now pretending to be a 16-year-old that just happens to look exactly like him. Oh, jeez. He's created this whole storyline where now... He's pretending to be a 16 year old kid, and it's it's creepy in a lot of ways. But uh, it, it that's exactly like everyone saw right through it. Yeah. there was YouTube. Everyone was just like, "This guy's an idiot. We know what's going on." So I think when you uh, are much more clear about what your intentions are, they, they respond to that much more.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, so when you look at the the broader culture of TikTok, tech, tech talk, I mean, obviously, anytime there's. New trends going on and there there's new dances and, and new songs that are kind of being memed on the platform and all that. But do you have any specific creators or channels or, or just sources that you go to for inspiration or just understanding all this since it is constantly changing, or do you just kind of rely on your own like wit I, and then filing the for you page? Yeah, it's it's the latter, but it not because I don't like
1: I, I would love to go down that rabbit hole every single day mm-hmm. and, and get – and I certainly get inspired by specific people's TikToks, but that's through the For You page. Right. right. Uh, I think if I like really got into one account or a few accounts, our account wouldn't seem original anymore. So I, I just very I, – I have to kind of like take my foot off the gas pedal and just kind of go into a room by myself and think about what I want to make that day. And then uh, if I see a TikTok that has a really cool sound or like a cool idea, I'll try to apply that to whatever – the story I'm trying to tell that day, but I don't, I, I try not to form our personality of the TikTok around.
0: No, that's uh, that's super smart, especially because like I've I've noticed this, I've only been on the platform for like three weeks, three weeks this week, but it's insane. And this isn't a unique problem to TikTok per se, but it is crazy how often there's just blatantly stolen content all right. like not not just like trends because obviously if there's a dance trend or whatever like people might do similar skits or similar dances but i mean people will just straight up rip exact concepts exact skits or like rip old vines that like went viral five years ago and that kids yeah they like didn't see so they think it's new and original and it's so weird because like a lot of that is still new to me like i'll see a tiktok and be like oh this is really funny look through the comments and there's like 10 people being like you stole this like credit this person so then it's like shoot i mean like there's it is really tough to be trusting i guess of the sort of creators on there i'm like what you can even use to inspire content because a lot of it's just like ripped or stolen or you just don't know where it's come from unless it's from like a reliable creator yeah. And it is tough, but I do. You did hit on the one thing I really appreciate about it, which is
1: there's a lot of like sort of self policing where like a lot of the community of TikTok itself will comp like you just have to check the comment section to know if it's not an original idea or go to the, you know, sometimes the original sound is in the corner and you can find the original video or it's, it's very, it, it's, people shouldn't be copying each other obviously but i think better it's caught quicker than it is on other platforms or has been caught
0: totally totally i I literally just posted uh it was yesterday the day before on my twitter just how like it's insane not just with this example but just generally speaking how positive the platform is and like Mm -hmm. i've been kind of just going all over it i mean i've gone through what i guess would be like the extreme sports type Parts of TikTok, or like the stunt parts of TikTok, and obviously the dance stuff is everywhere. There's like all, and there's like food stuff. There's a lot of obviously comedy skits, I mean there's tons of different sort of subcultures within the broader culture of TikTok. But like pretty much everywhere that I've seen, at least the comment sections are overwhelmingly positive, and there is a lot of that keeping people in check and kind of supporting each other, which I'm just not used to seeing as much on other platforms, <laughs> especially working on yeah. Twitter, where it's just like a constant cesspool of like, who are we canceling today? So oh mean, my like, god! mean, like, have have, do you feel the same way? Or do you feel like, of do course. you see something else? Like, I don't, I, I'm still new no, no, no. to it. So I just, I'm just interested to know, like, what you think about the community.
1: I thought for a long time, I was being sort of like doe-eyed or, you know, a little bit too optimistic about it. But mm-hmm. I still see just almost, at least in our comments on our videos, almost entirely positive comments. You know, I think if you haven't done anything to draw, you know, people towards you that are, uh, whatever, want to, want to troll you or something, then Mm -hmm. they're really, it's just not going to happen as much. Very early on, we had this guy who would just constantly comment on every video, um, about something he didn't like about the Washington Post. And and I actually I was I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts where you're talking about how you kind of I don't I don't know how you described it, but you kill them with kindness. And that's exactly what I do, where you kind of like respond to them and and by us responding to them in a way that is very positive. Or I would actually do it in a very what I I another going with the boomer uh, sort of persona. I would respond as if I didn't understand they were making fun of us. Oh. <laughs> I, just
0: totally so like, sincere.
1: Like totally sincere. Yeah. And I still do that. I'll I'll but I don't get him as much anymore. But I would just very sincerely like, you know, someone would call it the, the Washington compost and I'd be like, No 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 it's Washington Post, but you're really close. Like <laughs> And, and so just by doing that, everyone else likes our comment. They they kind of shit on the other guy. <laughs> right. And then he sort of slowly fades away. And sometimes they, you know, like you were saying, uh, they sort of laugh back and they're like, oh, ho, we were just kidding. So um, th- there's I think TikTok rewards that much more than it rewards just general negativity.
0: Yeah, I think you can like t- you can typically filter out those negative um, commenters or trolls or whatever up to a certain degree where I think like the. There's certain fundamental people that are out there that obviously are on every platform, and they're usually either really sociopathic or just, like, extremely vitriolic people in general, and their entire purpose online is to just cause anger, and, like, those types of people you might not be able to change their mind or make them feel another way but then there's also like the politically motivated people where if you're super against whatever the thing is politically or ideologically in any way then you're also probably not going to get them to budge especially if it's you know like fundamentally against your like if you're the Washington Post I mean this would be like maybe an alt-right type person or if like if for me like working with corporate brands this is like more the leftist anarchist types like they're just so anti-corporate that no matter what I say, it's not going to really puncture their armor in any way. Like, they are set in what they think. They know exactly what's going on with, like, the, the interaction <laughs> yes. itself. Like, there's no, like, breaking that uh, tension. But I think, right. like... Past those people, you can really break down someone's psychology pretty easily with comments because a lot of people are just looking for attention. They're just either, either looking for a reaction or they're looking just to be heard in some way. Like I feel like so many of the commenters on social media on any platform, they're just shouting into the void, like hoping somebody responds. Yeah. So when you do respond it like... Immediately disarms them to be like, oh, yeah, there's a person there. I I forgot about that from shouting in the void all day.
1: (laughs) Right. And that's, and that is actually one of the huge advantages of TikTok that I didn't previously really have, where um, like the videos I would publish for the poster or or even IJ before that, they were kind of all over the place and I wasn't always in them. But now people like, they sort of associate, oh, like a human face. That's responding, and yeah, I think most of them yeah. most of them by now know that I'm the person actually responding, so it's really hard for them to like really come after me, especially when I'm pretending to be this earnest sixty year old
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have you had like this is something we we kind of touched on this um yesterday, and we were talking about the show do you have like any? stalkers or any like weird <laughs> oh, yeah. people like i i feel like you you've just i, I don't know what the numbers i mean i know it's in the millions of impressions that you reached as far as people that have viewed these things but like your face is all over them so i mean obviously it's still tiktok it's still kind of like a niche part of the internet but obviously you're you're plastered everywhere so i mean like so, have you had anybody follow you in like a weird way or whatever um, so yeah, uh, the best the best way to sort
1: of explain it is uh, I sometimes I Google myself. Uh, I do it for vanity reasons, but also because there's another guy named Dave, named Dave Jorgensen who's a hockey tonk country singer in Oklahoma, uh, and he has a website. It's called DaveJorgensen.com, and I like to pretend that him and I are in a battle, even though he doesn't know it about yeah. who's going <laughs> to get more like Google mentions. And he also sometimes like I'm from Kansas City, and he plays sometimes in Kansas City, so he'll be up on a billboard, and he'll say like dave jorgensen's coming to town and my friends will like send me a snapchat <laughs> like hey you're coming i'm like no shut up uh <laughs> so uh anyway I, I, I like to check in on dave jorgensen hockey talk singer but as now when i type my name into google uh the autofill, it shows Instagram. It says Dave Jorgensen, Instagram, Dave Jorgensen, girlfriend, Dave Jorgensen, wife, and then Dave Jorgensen, the name of my wife. And I was like, okay, this is getting, yeah. Um, and so, and that's why my Instagram is private. Um, you can certainly follow me and I'll tell you my account later if you're, but I I just, I had to have that corner of my life just be, just be in, you know, private literally. And so, And I do get plenty of requests and sometimes people will message me on Instagram and and most of them are just pretty nice. They're, you know, uh, they just, I I think most of the time are just kind of earnest fans. Uh, Twitter, I get just all kinds of weird stuff. (laughs) Um, uh, I have always Twitter, man. It's always Twitter. (laughs) And I, I have my DMS open because honestly, it's also Like open DMS have allowed me to connect with people to make tick, like the whole Julian Castro TikTok started with a DM from someone on his campaigns. So wild, like. So I keep them open because, like, that's – there's a lot of opportunities in that way. Um, so – and I think it, even you reached out to me that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they're, I, you know, most of it's good, but every so often I just get uh, insane uh, DMs. And it's mostly gay dudes, which is flattering. Uh, you know, I think uh, – I, I, I'm just a, a straight white guy, but I, I'm very flattered because gay people are much more open about how they feel about me. <laughs> and yeah, they yeah. will – I mean, you, you saw it on our group chat the other day. <laughs> just someone we know was just telling me. So yeah, I, I it's actually. Hot. Like, it's you're yeah. hot. It's fine. So it, it's real. It's <laughs> it, it's certainly good for my self-esteem. But at a point, I, I just kind of, I just stopped responding.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. When you, when you get it, when your DMs are open like that, I mean, you got to filter things out at some point. But yeah. So like on the on the note of the the Julian Castro bit, I mean, I know like he he the campaign person approached you, and you guys got to collaborate, and I know you've done other collaborations with presidential candidates at this point, but I'm interested to know um someone else in that in that group chat mentioned this too, like have other people or organizations come to you at all for like advertising like product placement or like a like a personal feature like hey we saw your your tiktok it's oh. doing really well like can we jump in on one sometime yeah i've gotten and i, I wish i could give you like
1: any of the ones that have happened I've, I've been approached and you know some of them i've been approached by are like uh like nonprofits, and That's you cool. know client and yeah and stuff that i actually would be really interested in doing but i can't as the Washington Post, that's we just can't do that. Yeah, it's like an ethical uh, breach. It's an ethical breach. But I, uh, most of the people that I've approached have been people that, like in that way, I've been. I, I wish I could have. Uh, collaborated with them. But I just kind of say, no, I can't do that. Right. Um, but it is it is kind of interesting to see the type of people who do reach out um, from like all over the map. And and what's really cool is just in general the, of the type of people that reach out about TikToks or collaborate or just maybe me retweeting their TikTok are like stu- almost overwhelmingly student newspapers. Mm. Um, and we I've probably been contacted by like I don't, upwards of 50 to 60 different student newspapers about just like, we love your TikToks or what do you think of the one we, this is our first TikTok. So that's been really oh, cool that's to so see that. Cool. Yeah. It's yeah awesome. I think that's really honestly over like the most rewarding thing out of all of this. Like certainly it's been great to the, watching the growth and it's really fun and it's in my, I'm enjoying my job every day, but like actually seeing that type of effect is, is really cool.
0: Well, you really are. I mean, in a lot of ways, one of the, if not the biggest, forerunner as far as like putting a face on a branded uh, media institution not just like publication wise but just brands in general i mean like even the types of brands that have become notorious on social media sites like twitter like the wendy's and and chipotle and all those types of like weird funny brands or whatever like i see i've seen a few of them on tiktok but pretty much all the content that brands, even like Red Bull, which does like a lot of like stunt, like GoPro type stuff, but mm-hmm. everything I see on these other TikToks for brands is like sponsored, thi- like sponsored content where they clearly hire talent and everything yeah. is like there's actors and it's very produced, or they like maybe uh, what do you call it? Like they'll bring on another TikTok star like a uh, Brittany Broski. And they'll be like, hey, do like something like you did with the kombucha girl face with our product. And then she'll do that TikTok and maybe they'll re-upload it or something like you see some of that. But there's not a lot of branded personas that have like a face and a person behind them like yours. You really are kind of paving the way like do you know of any other people behind different brands I, or media institutions like you that are doing this, at this yeah level, i think at least.
1: honestly i think the best brand or whatever you want to call it institution is the nfl and not just the nfl tiktoks account but their individual team accounts um they have their general nfl account which is usually just like the best plays from that sunday or whatever and mm-hmm. um But they they do it in a way where they they sort of they'll meme it like they'll put text on players and they'll be like, you know, jumping into like I can't think of an example, but they actually they're really funny about it. They're really self-aware. And then the individual teams are so good because they bring in, you know, the the star quarterback that, you know, if you're a big fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, for instance, Mm -hmm. and they they do a really good job of of making those TikToks much more relatable. And they shoot them, like, I I think, similar to how we shoot them, which is, like, it's pretty clearly shot on an iPhone but then edited on the computer. So so the timing's good, but it still feels authentic. Right, And so... I, I honestly, I think the NFL does such a good job. And, and like, certainly there are, if you want to get to institutional problems, the NFL has had all kinds of issues the last, like, you know, 10 to 15 years. Yeah. But as far as TikTok goes, they, they are doing such a good job. Uh, and that's the one I always point to when people ask, like, who do you, and, because they also have like a very clear voice. Um, and that's, that's really hard to do. And, and one thing I've been very flattered is like all, a lot of the newspapers sort of try to, um, imitate what we're doing, which is great. But like, what I would hope is that more and more other, you know, media sites start to try to do their own specific thing, because I think that's much more valuable on TikTok is for everyone to kind of have their own, you know, a voice that reflects their media institution, you well, want to call it.
0: Yeah, and especially, you know, I'm sure that I haven't followed the NFL stuff. I've seen, like, a couple football-related ones that I think were NFL, like, through the For You page, but they still don't have, like, a... Person that's like their image, though. You know what I mean? Like they have like team members and all that. Like, you're probably the only one that I've seen, at least, that at the scale that you're on, where your face is heavily associated with it. And even though you bring in other coworkers and people that are part of it, I mean, it's still very clearly. A voice that you've established that is very consistent with you kind of at the helm of it which is like really interesting because that's sort of the central piece to something like TikTok or or even like being like a YouTuber it's like it's like the difference between someone who's a YouTuber like a Shane Dawson versus like Vox or BuzzFeed for having a YouTube channel where they produce high quality content that has tons of subscribers but like there's not any one figurehead behind it so you wouldn't call them like A YouTuber necessarily, like I'd almost call you like a TikToker. In a way, if that's even a term, I've never said that out loud. I don't think but. I. I have said it,
1: and then I. You just did exactly what I've been doing for like seven or eight months now. which was like, "Is that a word?" I don't know. <laughs> do, do we I, say it, that? I'll just leave. Uh, yeah. No. I, I. Yeah. I guess you're right. Um. And I so, sounds like I did not answer your question correctly before.
0: Then. No. No. You're fine. You're fine. I I, I. I. I was interested to know anyway if you had other accounts that you thought were like great or influential. But yeah, it is interesting. Like thinking about the difference between a brand, which is kind of like a broad image of like. Like production and, and different you know, facets to it, but then you being like the personified embodiment of that brand. You know what I mean? Yeah, I
1: like to think of it, you know, something that uh, probably perhaps unsurprisingly happens at, at the Post a lot is if people come for tours of the building, whether or not they're, you know, uh, a presidential campaign or just someone's friend or family visiting, every so often you see someone giving a tour of the newsroom. And so I like to I I watch those sometimes and I like to think of what I'm doing as like I'm giving you a tour of the newsroom every day Mm. uh, in a very specific way. So just like a sort of – like maybe I'm just – trying to downplay my role a little bit, but I, I, I kind of want it just to be seen as just like a tour guide of the Washington post. And I, I just want it to be like, oh, you, I'm someone you can trust. Like I wouldn't let you down and what you're about to see in the next 15 seconds. Uh, but here's my face, you know, what's about to happen. We're about to see some part of the newsroom. So I like to think of it as I'm just kind of like showing you the newsroom and, and maybe you'll, if this TikTok is about what's going on in the news, you'll learn a little bit of something.
0: No, I, I love that. And it, and it goes back to what you mentioned before about just kind of understanding the egos in the workplace and your your role in that which is really more of a steward of this like publication and this whole um persona that you've developed rather than like the dictator at the helm of it, like leading everything and like you're an ultimate command. I mean it really does show like throughout that collaboration and just the the many people you include and it's it's very clear that it's not you're not trying to be the center of attention. Like I think as a fellow, you know, person with an ego, like, I would definitely say, like, per my job, like, working for a small, like, 20-person ad agency, which represents a small brand where I'm the only person running, like, stake social media day-to-day. So, like, mm-hmm. everything that I do in that, whether it's TikToks, YouTube videos that I uh, – obviously, people help me produce, like, stuff for that on the video end. But as far as, like, being the the person at the helm of that, like, it definitely comes with a – pretty strong tendency to like feel the ego behind it like i'm in control like this is all my personality because it's me day in and day out which isn't good i mean it's like it's not good to be in a situation where like you feel like everything is on you to like put your whole personality and all your energy into it that way because ultimately it goes beyond you like when you're representing an institution or a brand like it's not It's not about you. You're just the person in that moment that's representing its voice in a way, which gets into that like weird blurred line territory where now you're like partially defining its voice in this new platform. But it's also like, you know, it's not totally you at the same time.
1: Yeah. And I think we all, you know, learned a lot of that from the YouTube sort of initial the first YouTube generation of people that sort of came out of it pretty scarred like you know a lot of those youtubers either just kind of stopped making them all together it became overwhelming because Mm -hmm. it was just all about them and and they were very good at what they did and you know like you mentioned shane dawson like shane dawson's someone who i think he started to surround himself with more people because that sort of allowed him to to continue to exist in this world. And you see, like, already you have the TikTokers, the TikTokers, the tiktok the TikTok guild TikTok making yeah. The TikTok, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> the, the horde creating their own hype house, uh, which is yes. like, you know, and, and you know, as, as kind of silly as it might seem, and the article about it is like, oh, my God, there's just a bunch of 16-year-olds in this house. Like, if you really read some of the, the quotes about, like, these hype house people, at least from what What was shown in the article is they're really there to support each other, you know, both um, within their actual accounts, like literally, but also just emotionally. And and that's something that I think is actually fairly new in the sort of Internet age of um, you just you shouldn't make it all about yourself. Even if you want it, like even if your ego does demand it, it's just over time it's not going to be a good thing for anyone, viewers or the creators.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it, too, is I think these kids are so smart. Then like, they don't get enough credit for, like, just how much they think about this stuff. Because they did grow up with it. And they've gotten to see all the failures of, like, our generation. Like, you mentioned, like, the whole thing with Shane. Like, there's tons of YouTubers like that that have, from over the years, like, started at one point, like, in 2005, 2006 or whatever. And they hit, like, a slump. And then some of them come back, but some of them just, like, fade into either irrelevancy where they have, like, mental breakdowns or or they get canceled for whatever it is. Like, there's all these things that we can kind of like study at this point and it's also pretty clear i think for a lot of the kids when they look at these past examples that like hype and clout and internet fame and all that is so fleeting like it comes right. and goes so fast like you could be on top of the world everybody's talking to you, talking about you right now and then in a year everybody's forgotten about you, and they don't care. Like, they're all into the new things. I mean, with that, I think they know, they're aware at least, that, you know, in some way, whether it's conscience or maybe a little bit subconscious, that they have to kind of, like, not leech, but, like, collaborate in a way where they know someone else has clout and they have clout, and they're like, oh, how can we, like amplify this together and then bring on other people who maybe have a little bit less clout than us and then bring them up and then maybe somebody bigger than us we can like get with them and there's all these like weird mental um facets to this whole game that they're having to think about because they're aware like they don't i, I even what's her name like the the main the uh the, the main like we did tiktok charlie yes uh, yeah charlie yeah. or charlie however you say her name D- <laughs> d'amelio or d'amelio she we're um, getting there i don't uh, know charlie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I see her all over the For You page, like not even just her, but like people that duet her videos and like try to copy your stuff or, or meme it or whatever it is. And it's just so interesting because like, I think, so I started like three weeks ago on TikTok and in that time... She's gained millions of of uh, followers on it literally just within that three-week period that yeah, I've been yeah. on the app. So, I mean, even for someone like her, like, I'm sure she's just some – I have no idea what her background is. Like, I'm sure she's kind of like – She's into dancing. That's what I know. She's,
1: yeah. <laughs> she wants to be a professional dancer.
0: Sure, so. yeah. But, like, I, I'm yeah. sure that, like – Unless there's some, like, secret corporate manufactured agenda, like, underneath her that maybe I just haven't seen or hasn't been uncovered yet. Like, she was just some kid who ends up going viral and is now this major star. So, like, there has to be some level of self-awareness to these these kids that are getting famous so quick on this platform to be like this came out of nowhere and we have to kind of like think about you know how we interact with the culture itself because they're they're not like they're not like child stars like a Justin Bieber or an Aaron Carter who from like the time they were six years old or eight years old they were like being like fed a silver spoon like this is you you have the world at your fingertips and you're going to be this huge star then they crash at age 18 like they're kind of growing into it with this huge backdrop of of other people's experiences that they can take from so and i might be giving them too much credit like i said i don't really know much about them but at least from the well, outside looking in, that's kind of how I like to think about their their actions and their decisions and all things. Yeah,
1: first of all, I love that one of your examples was Aaron Carter. I never would have thought of Aaron Carter, but that's. <laughs> I feel like people always say Macaulay Culkin, but Aaron Carter is so funny because I haven't thought about him since I was a kid. Oh, but you're, I'm sure you're right. You, I don't, I don't know what he's up to. You
0: got to get back on the Aaron Carter train, dude. <laughs> he he okay. released a single a couple years ago called "Fool's Gold." I'm obsessed. It's phenomenal. He's but, he's but he's so – I mean he, he is like a total like troubled child star. I mean his family Shit. is insane. He's also very mentally unstable and has a lot of ups and downs and, is, and clearly needs help in a lot of ways. But he's just – he comes to mind because he, he recently had this single fool's gold that it, – Yeah, a I'm
1: going to make a note to fool's gold TikTok soon. Um, please. That will be – Please. But I won't say why. I won't say why. It will just, just be for <laughs> listeners of this and they'll know – Oh my god. Comes out, just just comment I know or something like that. And <laughs> we'll all be in the know.
0: I would uh, it, it would uh it would be the greatest thing I'd ever seen. But yeah, that's yes. just that's just an example. But yeah.
1: Yeah, but uh, but also well, I was gonna actually my actual uh contribution, that's not just <laughs> talking. <to that> part. <laughs> um I think that that vine you know, preemptively just sort of shutting down because Twitter wanted to shut it down or the reasons are still kind of scattered. I've heard like a million different reasons. Uh was actually such a hidden gift because the reasons to shut down aren't really important. The point is that Vine just shut down and then all these Viners, you know, had to figure out what to do. And, you know, obviously most of them went to YouTube and, and then a year later, Jake Paul was... Burning down his house or whatever happened. So,
0: um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great sentence right there. Yeah.
1: Spike closed and so a house burned, and so uh, <laughs> and, and then TikTok was born. But uh, I think that you know just by that happening, a lot of this generation, like you know Charlie D'Angelo, TikTok or whatever her name is, she um, she probably saw Vine just shut down when she was like twelve or thirteen, and so now she she goes into TikTok knowing. This could all be gone the next yes, day. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that there, there's no reason at all that TikTok should be gone tomorrow. It's just continuing to grow and like it's doing things so much better and that's so much smart. Uh, the, so much smart. It's so much smart. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> we're getting, as we get into hour two, that's when I start. No, I love it. Keep bigger. it going. Um, and so. <laughs> At, at, TikTok is really smart about what they do, and, and there's no reason that it won't shut down, and they're much better at it than TikTok. But uh, whenever someone asks me, like, you know, is TikTok going to be around in a year? Like, of course, I think – I personally think, yes, they'll definitely be around a year. They might even do something like – pull out something like Facebook where they find out a way to be around uh, almost seemingly permanently. Uh, but, like, there's no – you shouldn't go into the next year planning for that. Like, what I learned from, you know, I kind of look at my personal, my short career as of now, um, before 2017 and after 2017. Uh, kind of in 2014, 2015, 2016, at ij.com, like all of our traffic relied on Facebook. And that was a big reason everything went to shit, is because. Facebook started messing with the algorithm and trying to do all these different things, and they started prioritizing video and then Facebook Live, and then they changed their minds. And so all these different factors you had to account for every single day, they were changing every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So it was just – it was all over the map, and and through that, I learned like you can't make long-term plans in video at least right now. You can – I mean, you can set those goals. You should absolutely set goals. And I've had plenty of goals for our TikTok account. But you have to wake up each day knowing that, like, something could shift in the algorithm. And and um, it doesn't mean it's not worth it. It's 100% worth it. But it's just—I I will ne- I will never be surprised by, by anything happening in video social media anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was literally just today. That was the breaking news of the college humor and how they've laid off virtually their entire staff for that exact reason. Just, I mean, the fact that Facebook— essentially monopolized you know the digital media space years ago where you know brands have been sharing their 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 websites and and sort of like um like landing pages through Facebook to to bring consumers off site to wherever they were based out of but then Facebook decided nope we're going to take all that away and we're only going to reward native uploaded stuff so you have to now bring all your content to us and then even with that the algorithm is so like selective and confusing that you can't guarantee what's well, going to get eyeballs in the first place? So now all these platforms that used to rely on it for traffic, like, it's just, it's so, so bizarre. Like how, the, you know, you and I growing up, you know, we remember, I'm sure you remember, like, websites like um, like Something Awful, which I reference a lot on this show, yes. or like... Uh, E-Bombs World. E-Bombs World, um, Albino Black Sheep, uh, the Homestar Runner. There was, like, all these different comedy forum Home blog. Star. Like, yeah, like, there's there's so many, and, like, and you would when you heard about them you would search them online and then you'd go directly to them right. whereas like now you don't really do that like you go to twitter facebook reddit YouTube, all these like main megalith platforms, and then they take you to wherever you're gonna go. So like everything is really in their hands, and it's it sucks to be a publisher for any kind of content now because we're all so tethered to these tech corporations. Yeah, and, and that shift of
1: of you of seeking out the news versus the news finding you was happening while I was uh, in college. I was a I was an English major, but I was uh, in this thing called Media Fellows, which was just basically an honors journalism program Mm. and all of our classes for like every single year, was was just talking about, uh, like, how is the newspaper going to survive and or, like, how will Facebook kill the news? Like, yeah. in 2012, we already knew, like, this is not good for people, just generally speaking. And so we were already trying to find the solutions. And I, I couldn't even tell you what we came up with. We probably had a bunch of crazy theories and theses on what could happen. But, like, you could see this coming a, a long a far way away. But now it's gotten to a point where, like, well, this is the reality. Now we have... Have to find a way to get people back into, if not being informed, just like getting content that's actually quality because um, there's just so many different platforms that can just pull any lever at any point and your entire business has failed unless you've sort of diversified and you know, have a page on TikTok and Twitter and Snapchat and all that.
0: And it's so hard to do that. Like, you know, of all people, like, working in this specific industry, like, how difficult it is to diversify your energy and your resources to different platforms, because if you want to do one really well, you have to spend so much time, like, in it and understanding it. Like, you can't just, like, like, I I always get on marketing people about this because so many, and it's not... in a lot of cases it's not literally the marketing person's fault but rather the the place they work for in some way that's kind of enforced this notion but so many of these people that work in marketing or advertising they have this idea in their heads like oh I work at an agency or I work for this brand and I have to operate so many channels and I'm gonna use some tool like Sprout Social or whatever it is that schedules all my posts. And then that becomes the entire job where you're just like typing copy into a website that aggregates the content to all these other platforms and a lot of people have to do that because they're under-resourced at wherever they work, so they can't spend that time. But when you do that, you're missing out on so much of your potential for learning and understanding the actual culture and references and, like, what's actually relevant within those platforms, which is, like, you, you need multiple people to do that. Like, with you doing TikTok you wouldn't be able to do YouTube and Facebook and Instagram at the same level while you're doing TikTok. Like it's just not possible. (laughs) Right. And I,
1: I, I worry that I don't want any listener to be like, Oh no, everything's going to hell. But it's just, it's, it's sort of, you just have to approach it with a healthy skepticism. Like, and as far as it goes, like TikTok has in every platform I've worked on, which has included, uh, Facebook, Facebook video, Twitter video, YouTube video, Snapchat video, like TikTok has been the one that I've felt the best about. Um, and, and just in terms of feedback and how the, how the algorithm works and how like, you really are rewarded for good content as, as of now, so th- at least there's that s- silver
0: lining. Yeah, no, totally, totally. I mean, yeah, we can, I, I, hopefully the people listening, they know it's not all doom and gloom. I, I, the the yeah. stuff's just all, it's always changing, and, it's, and it is always good to be skeptical of it, because it's not it's not necessarily like the world's gonna end tomorrow, but it is, like, it's so, we're all on shaky ground, and it's good to be aware of that, so we can kind of, like, you know, move with the punches or whatever.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, if they, if anything we know for sure that they know the song, Fools gold by aaron carter I yes
0: mean, oh dude ad- anyone listening to this needs to look it up right now it is it's the most <laughs> underrated meme song that i've heard in years like it never became a thing like it, it t- he released the song it got like a couple million views on youtube or whatever and it got a few million streams but like i loved it so much i never <laughs> understood why it didn't catch on <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is the moment. This is what's going to get people talking about Fool's Gold. Like all I, the, I, <laughs> I, like I w- obviously
1: we're going to keep talking, but like there's this stuff, like I can't wait. But I I, I just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to like, I'm that much uh, of like a crazy coffee person where I'm like, just, I gotta, but yeah, I'll wait.
0: You're <laughs> half. You're, you're being like, your mind's only half in the rest of this podcast. No, it's fine. Right. It's fine. Right. I was so just to kind of like jump back into what we were talking about. Like, so obviously we could go on forever, just like ranting about the state of tech and media and all that. But just to kind of get back to like what you do specifically, you, you mentioned like, I don't know what it was like 15 minutes ago or something like that, where we were talking about. Just how your creative processes, like when you're developing these videos, you mentioned that you'll often like shoot something and then you'll rec- you'll do the, the post production in like other programs or whatever like is that yep. typically your 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 standard way of doing things do you ever do like do you ever shoot TikToks natively or do you do everything in like another program or, or what's your approach there
1: the only time i i will ever do it natively you know in app is when i use the uh, like an effect on TikTok because um you could theoretically and i i have done this a couple times you could use an effect on tiktok and they have a lot of great ones and then publish the video privately and then save that video and then take that clip and then edit it on your computer but as soon as you you know do that you one you uh the quality goes down to 720 from 1080 so the quality's much worse there's a there's now a um Oh, what's the word? This is terrible. I can't. A uh the you know, your at is on it. Your, yeah, uh, right. Like, the, like the there's stamp. a bug. Yeah. Some, yeah. And so you have to basically frame that out, and so at that point, your video is half the quality it was before. Um, and then the other reason, if you if you want to use an effect on TikTok, if you publish it natively right there, uh, you get a little stamp in the corner that says like you know earthquake effect or whatever you use, and that and people will find your TikTok by searching through that effect. So uh, it's actually an advantage to use uh, the effect within that. But otherwise, yeah, I edit everything else. Um, in Premiere Pro on my computer, which is how I premiere or how I, um, edit any videos I do. And, uh, I honestly think that's like super important. I, it, it's a little bit painstaking at times because for whatever reason, it can be very difficult sometimes to get video off your iPhone, especially 4k video yes. into your computer. It's a weird task, but, uh, I figured out a few ways to do it when it's not working so well, so it's fine. but yeah, I mentioned the 4k. So, um, if the if the shot isn't quite how I like it, I can reframe it a little bit because now that's twice the quality I need. Um, so it just allows for a lot of moving around and and making sure that every um, beat, every moment, every like action someone does fits right in with the music or the sound. Um, and I'll edit it with that sound like I'll download like, the, for instance, the one today we did is with uh, our, our Jonathan K part. Uh, and it was just a sound where someone's going, what, huh? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So that one, I downloaded the separate TikTok with that sound, and I put it underneath so that way I can make sure it was timed perfectly. And that way, when I brought it back into the app, I could, I could make sure that the sound was aligned. That's
0: so um, smart. That's what I was wondering because I know you do a lot of syncing with like the audio memes, and I also could see that you do a lot of off-platform editing. So that syncing process is what I was wondering, like how you nail that. So that's that's cool. You do that with. Yeah and it's and like i the thing is you can actually you you don't even technically have to
1: upload the sound once you bring it back in the app so for instance the one today i ended up putting a little bit more space between uh i think it was me saying something versus jonathan saying huh uh, because I just wanted a little bit more of a beat there, so I actually adjusted the audio to add a couple seconds. And so when I brought it back in the app, I still said use this sound, the the original Goofy sound. But then I just turned the volume all the way down on that sound, and I brought up the soundtrack volume – or sorry, the, the uh, original sound right. from our – footage and so it still shows in the bottom right corner that that's the sound we borrowed from but now it's just all my original audio so it all syncs up nicely
0: that's so interesting yeah i literally today was the first tiktok that i've done in uh, premiere like every other one i've done natively at this point and, That's impressive. Well, it's it's. I'm realizing now just like how limiting it is. Like I've always kind right. of been under the impression like, oh, most of these creators must be doing it natively. But as I go on, I'm realizing all these little tricks and, and things that I'm noticing in the videos that I'm like, this is not possible to do <laughs> within yeah. TikTok. Like there's so much you can't do that that people do to kind of get that edge to, to give you like more uh, probability, I guess, of going viral or whatever.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of my goal is to make you know sometimes look looking or making something look effortless is like the hardest thing to do, but it's always worth it for me on TikTok anyway. Like it, it always, whenever it just feels like it was just shot on the iPhone natively in the app, and it just like really flows well. People love it, and that you know to bring up the Julian Castro one again, that one was like our most popular because everything lined up perfectly. But it felt like it was happening in the moment, like we actually went back and forth and shot every one-second segment, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people like it when it's smooth like that. But
0: yeah, I, this is something I've been trying to explain to some of my coworkers as I've gotten them more involved in the the videos. Is that like. It feels at least with not just the algorithm, but even just with my own perception of like what I see as as a funny or a successful video in general, is that it really does come down to milliseconds. Like there's certain takes you'll do and the take itself might seem perfect, but maybe you like held the camera for a little too long or like you caught something at the end that just wasn't perfect or there's a little bit of dead air that shouldn't be there. And it could literally be like... Milliseconds, like not even a full second, but all of that comes down to how successful the video is going to be, and right. I it's it, it's just so interesting. I wonder how much of that not only tracks and how people are um like like perceiving and consuming the videos, but then also how the algorithm uh, considers it as well. Because it really does feel like there's certain videos I've done, and overall I'm like, oh, this is I feel I feel pretty good about this, but maybe I whipped it up and like. 10 minutes and looking back there's parts of it where there's a bunch of like dry air in between words I said or like the end cut off like was a little too late and you caught like a smirk or like just something at the end that just like didn't make the payoff perfect so it's just interesting how all those like little moments all do matter when you're like producing these videos well and it's funny because you know you don't sometimes you you do want that randomness to leak in just
1: to kind of again like create that sort of authenticity. Mm. But you never know like if it's gonna work. So the one we the the same one I was talking about today, I ended up keeping someone kind of laughing in the background at the end because sometimes I've I've noticed if someone's laughing behind the camera, people sort of even if they're not aware of it, they kind of enjoy that. They like that someone broke. Um so I kept it in, but then like 20 minutes later, I was like, should I have kept it in? I, like, I really don't know. Um, and I, I'll overthink it a bunch of times. I'll even, when I edit it on Premiere, what I'll do is when I'm, when I'm completely done with it, I'll take the everything I've edited and then I'll just copy and paste it like four times. And I watch it basically on a loop on my computer mm-hmm. to see how it feels playing over and over again. And I think it was you that commented today about how the sort of Beginning and end kind yeah, of flow together. Yeah, yeah, the loop, and so that was that's all very intentional. Like, if I can do it, I try to make it where it's very almost comforting to just keep rewatching. How how do you not
0: burn out when you're when you're doing <laughs> that? Because I mean, honestly, like I feel this. I was trying to put together text on TikTok last night in the like natively in the platform and. I was just, like, watching the same video over and over and over again as I'm, like, <laughs> editing the text. Like, but not that even, text editor is awful, by the way. Oh, it's, it's terrible. And I use it. And I hate it. It's yeah. so bad. Like, like the fact that it limits the amount of time to one second and, like, you can't yep. play at some times so when you're trying to move things around. So you can't, like, synchronize perfectly and, it, and it, you can't, like, pause it because it always has to, like, play all the way through. Well, you can pause it, I guess, but it just plays well, all the way through. And it's really through.
1: hard. If you've made, like, two or three separate ones, you can't go back to the first one that easily and edit it. Yes. Edited.
0: Uh, it's it's truly
1: awful. It's it's that's you know that's what almost breaks me. It's funny you asked that question with the text editor, but <laughs> but I don't know otherwise though I, I don't really get exhausted by it because um, I think honestly all of my like work up until now before TikTok was so much more stressful because I was <laughs> expected to make like. You know, often I would make probably two, three-minute videos a week, which is pretty exhausting, especially because I hold – I try to hold my videos to a pretty high standard. Yeah. And I'll kind of – I will comb through every second of a three-minute video and really make sure it looks good. And so kind of going from, you know, like a three-minute video, what, that's – that's, uh, math is hard. 12. That's like, that could be up to 12 TikToks or around that. Right. Uh, that's how much I'm producing it in two and a half weeks. Whereas it used to be something I was trying to produce in two days. So, um, obviously TikToks have different plots and things going on, but it's, it's still crazy to think about that. And I think that kind of perspective, uh, keeps me from burning out with the TikToks.
0: Yeah. The standard definitely shows. I mean, I, I literally, I was, I was joking with, I think it was my, my coworker, Jeff, about this, um, just with your, your. Uh, your portfolio I'll say of TikToks that you've had like we were joking because when I started doing Stakem's Twitter like 3 years ago or so um the guy who ran who ran the uh, the Moonpie account he was like the guy to me as far as like his his name is Patrick Walls like I I've, I've done a podcast with him he's a, he's a great great friend and he um at the time I had no idea who this guy was I just saw the account and I thought it was brilliant and clever But at the same time, I kept looking at it like, oh, like I want to like it was what I was striving for. So I used it as like a competitive motivator, essentially. But (laughs) I realized really quick that like I couldn't get my like i didn't have the same and i still don't have the same level of just like wit i guess as he does like he's a very clever creative person so the things he's able to come up with copy wise are just things that i was never i would just never think about you know like it's just out of my sort of bandwidth as far as like totally. how my brain works you know so like mm-hmm. i i learned pretty quickly okay i'm not going to be able to compete with this guy with the platform he has um putting out this level of creativity so i'll just try to like out hustle him essentially, like, I, and I again didn't even know him. Like, this it is all in my head. Like, I'm using this as like a competitive motivator. So I would just like <laughs> do a shit ton of tweets and like just really tried to build the account that way. Eventually, it worked. Obviously, it's not as big as Moonpie. It probably won't ever be. But like, it got its own success through like just a mass amount of quantity. So I kind of <laughs> went into TikTok with that same exact mindset where I looked at you. You were my Moonpie. This time around, I was like I was like, Dave with the Washington Post is putting out the most perfect, clever, like well-produced you, you video. You set that
1: up in such a way that by the time you said you were my moon pie, I was so flattered. <laughs> but now like I'm like outside
0: of my body right now laughing at the fact that I was,
1: I'm the moon pie.
0: It's so, I'm <laughs> but, sorry. It's so true. It's literally true though. Oh, and that's that's great. how I looked at it. Like I wh- just can't believe how happy I was when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it's i saw like i got something i joined 3 weeks ago prior to that i didn't know really anything about i mean like i knew it came from musically and i like, had seen tiktoks all over twitter before so i knew what it, the the theme and like what it was about essentially but i didn't know anything about the culture or like how to produce these like i was never on vine doing it myself so this was all like new territory for me so when i got on and like i, I looked at all these other brands and i saw what you were doing i was like okay this is this person this team or whatever has it all together this is the, the archetype that I'm going to kind of gun for but I realized pretty much the same thing that I realized with Moon Pie where I was like you've obviously done video editing for years like you have a really creative eye like there's all these assets that you bring to the table that right now at least I just don't have so I just started like spitballing and throwing shit at the wall to try to make stuff work. And that's, what's so good about
1: what you do though. Cause you, you play to your strengths just as I would play to mine. And I think that like the stake of brand is already so strong that like the transition felt natural because you were just bringing what you already do to TikTok. like the, the Christmas tree tackle thing is so good. <laughs> and it, and it's so like, you, you watch it and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Like you don't even question because it, it's so, you know, for lack of – literally on brand. And it right. just feels right and you play to their strengths immediately. And I think that's really all you have to do.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah, that, and that's that's yeah. what I was going to get at is like – I mean obviously there's always, you know, new tools to add to the toolkit. Like I said, today was the first time I've used Premiere and I'm definitely going to like start trying to script things and be more careful with trying to like get into the algorithm. But it is interesting how there's like so many – Approaches and standards and all that. But I I really do think it's it's a uh, it's admirable the level that you've brought the publication to in this way, because obviously it is it's the Washington Post isn't a frozen beef sheep brand, you know, like it's (laughs) it's something to be held to a certain. Not yet. <laughs> this might feel like an idiocracy
1: thing. Uh, We're like, not yet. Absolutely, Jacob's Washington Post. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but yeah. So, anyway, j- just yeah, just uh, on that note. But all, so, w- what I was trying to get at before I went on that whole pre ramble, I guess, is that something that everybody, including myself, is trying to figure out with this platform. Like, as I kind of experiment with these videos, is like how to appease the almighty algorithm, because. <laughs> I don't understand it. I feel like most people in general don't understand it because obviously it's a mystery to a certain degree. But um, for you, I mean, like when you first started on it, like was there one video that I guess picked up right away that got caught in it or like how did you kind of figure out along the way via not just the production itself but the hashtags and trends and all that? Like what was the, the, the journey like for you toward understanding the algorithm? Well, it's
1: tough because you know initially I was just I, I as I mentioned earlier I was I was kind of doing like some TikToks were for Twitter like that Marty Baron one and some were for clearly for TikTok niche so I was trying to figure out too like how do I balance this how do I balance the Washington Post's identity in the newsroom their identity on Twitter their identity as a newspaper and TikTok so I was I was factoring all of it in so much and then I finally just got to a point where like I'm just gonna do like really recent popular memes on TikTok right now and I did that for like I still do that a lot but for the first month it was very much just like whatever's trending uh I asked you know Teddy on our social team to like send me the weirdest ones he finds cuz he's on TikTok like 5 hours a day <laughs> and I would just find like the 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 um the trending sounds or whatever that had taken off in like the last twenty hours, because that was always the sweet spot. Like, and I'll still do that today. If I see a TikTok that took off, like tomorrow morning I go into work and I see a TikTok that that took off literally overnight. If that sound is anything I can do and uh, that I can apply to the newsroom, I will do it. I'll drop everything else I had planned that day and I'll do that one because right. there's a really high chance of that just going viral just off of the back, literally, of the success of uh, that previous TikTok. So. Um, I started doing that a lot. I really just, I just kind of immersed myself in the the culture of TikTok. Um, I don't, I don't really know what the first one was that did really well. The first one that was very on brand that did well, and I think it was like either a third or fourth one, was uh, basically just like us dancing, and it was like uh someone was representing the parents and they're really badly dancing and I was representing the Washington Post and I was really badly dancing which for me is just me dancing and <laughs> and then we did like in the middle we did like a at the end we did a like a sort of awkward handshake and it was says and it said trying to be cool on TikTok and that right there like off the bat established what we were trying to do, which we've already sort of talked about, which is like, we don't know what's going on. We just want to be here and we hope you accept us. And I think people latched onto that really quickly. And so like our core base of followers who are still very vocal, kind of always protected us and insulated us from the trolls, but also like helped build us up and make it clear that we were, you know, a brand, so to speak, that you could trust on TikTok.
0: Right. Yeah. It is just such a wild, um, just experience, just trying to understand like how the whole thing works because it isn't like any other platform really in a sense where you could just start on tiktok at you know the ground level and then do one and then it just blows up or you could do like a hundred of them and none of them go anywhere so it is like there's so many little factors involved not just with the trends and everything but like understanding relevant hashtags and like i i want to say like one of the things i think i've personally run into with it is the the facial recognition element at least it might not be a thing but like i feel like it's a thing because i've noticed in ones where like i'll I'll try to include coworkers or whatever that have more faces like they'll do better i think on average than the ones that are only me in the box head thing because like it's it's very strange because like there's not really anything i can avoid with that like there's still a person like there's hands and a body moving but i think even just little stuff like that where, like, the algorithm just isn't recognizing that this is a human being in it. In some way, like, there's always, like, little tricks and things that kind of go along with your potential, I guess, to get caught up in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's tough. And
1: I, at one point, uh, some uh, a TikTok rep had told me, like, y- you should try to appear at least in the beginning of all your TikToks because – and and they said that's because that's what the fans are expecting, but I do wonder how much of that is, like – is the algorithm just picking up on a face a familiar? I don't, I don't really know. Um, I personally, like I've been all over the internet for like a decade now, (laughs) you know, (laughs) me, me and hockey tonk country singer, Dave Jorgensen. And (laughs) so I, I don't you know, personally care about my face, whatever being there. So that's fine with me. But, um, I, I don't, it it is tough to sort of figure out like, what is it that latches them on the first three seconds? And I still don't really know. I, I do know that if it's just like, extremely different from the last tiktok you you probably will catch someone like Mm. if it's just really weird and wild or at the very least like a familiar space with something weird happening which is often what we do with our newsroom ones then you can kind of catch their attention but it does seem to just sort of vary day by day
0: i I imagine part of it too is like you need that immediate effect of like drawing somebody in like the first three seconds the person has decided whether or not they're going to stay on the video or not so you have to like Get them right away, and not in all cases, but in some cases, I imagine that's at least part of it, just that that hook. Yeah.
1: And, and kind of back to your uh, question, a a couple of questions ago about the the ones that obviously that one did well, where we, we shook hands in the middle and we're trying to be cool on TikTok. But then right after that, we did one, uh, where it was just me in the mirror. And it was like a really common meme already where you just slowly zoom in on yourself in the mirror. And then at the very last second, you get a text from someone and it was like, you know, people would get texts. It was, this part was faked. It was always like your mom saying like, you're grounded or like – or they'd get really dark and it'd be like, you know, girlfriend, I'm pregnant or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so we had – I did it where it was set up and it said for the Washington Post, it said you're fired. (laughs) And – and i i published that and i kind of i i published it and like it was just actually looking around like am i going to get actually fired for this and then when that did well on tiktok and it did well on twitter and no one in the newsroom fired me i was like okay i think <laughs> i think we have something i think this could work because that was my first indication like i think i might you know have some traction here
0: right do you have you noticed too like as you've kind of grown the account do Older posts ever get resurgences in virality? Like, if something you posted like months ago that kind of petered or peaked at a certain point, does um, those ever get like another that you know like wave of uh, views or anything? I
1: they will get resurgences if they're like less than a month old. I haven't really seen at least to the extent of like actual like a real resurgence where it's almost going viral again. Mm-hmm. I haven't really seen that. Uh, at least when it's over or over a month old. Okay. But I have seen where, I mean, I remember the first, one of the first original TikToks we posted, which, uh, again, at the beginning, I was just copying other sounds just to try to get, you know, in people's attention. But one of the first TikToks we, we did, which was an original sound was just a cadence. I used to play on drumline in high school and it was just people beating their heads against their desks to different beats and stuff. (laughs) Um, and that one, like, I'm really proud of that one. It's it's genuinely a, a, a good TikTok. But, like, I also knew when we published it that it might not do well because we didn't have many followers and, like, it was an original sound. Mm. Uh, but then about a month later, it suddenly kind of got picked up again. Oh, so, awesome. so, yeah, I think the ones – when it does happen, it's usually an original sound that takes off. It's very rarely um, when you're using – jumping on a trend
0: that's already right. happening. They, they kind of if, just if, die after Yeah, the
1: well day. they or they or they will go viral right then and there, but they they won't come back later.
0: Yeah. Do you like so I'm interested to know this because you have a lot of I guess what we could call bits as part of what you do. Like and this is yeah. something that I, I love experimenting with with stake 'em where like we have like a rivalry with Hot Pockets or whatever. Like <laughs> we used to have like our, our intern Steve. So there's like all these like little things that can kind of be fun bits for Twitter at least where people would kind of relate to and jump on and, and banter back and forth about. And I know like your big one, at least I I haven't seen it recently, but that was the spam yeah. we we talked about this when we, we hung out at Social Fresh. Like, do you uh-huh. think there's any uh, not importance for the algorithm necessarily, but like as far as like building that community, like sort of the importance of having those reoccurring bits. Like, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think the spam thing. So part of the reason I've I done less spam lately. It's going to come back. Uh, there's two reasons. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone. Uh, one, it's I think there is like something funny about uh, like hitting a joke over the head until it's dead which i did for a long time but now i want people to kind of miss spam so i'm sort of waiting for that to happen and, and then we'll bring it back full force and then two there's people like way too many people were starting to think that we were sponsored by spam so i wanted to squash that true, like we're not sponsored true yeah, yeah i really did not want but uh that was was just so funny because the whole joke the whole reason i thought spam was so funny to keep putting in tiktoks is like who would ever be sponsored by spam like that's why i felt <laughs> that's why i felt safe doing it and i would just laugh I would like just you right I would just laugh to myself, just by myself about how funny it was that Spam was in a TikTok. And right. like well, can you imagine like Spam approaching someone like we really want you to be in our TikTok? Like we really want you to feature jalapeno <laughs> spam. Uh, we just have this new spam. It's it's called ground pepper spam, which okay. is a
0: You've given them more free PR than they've probably had in years. And it took
1: them like five months for them to send me a spam blanket. I was like, finally, Uh, (laughs) which I had to give away because journalistic ethics mean you can't keep anything. but. uh, Either, oh, and they sent me Spamdles, which are uh, flip-flop Spam oh sandals. Oh, my God. They sent me – yeah, that was – when it finally happened, I was like, thank you, but no thanks. Yeah, um, it like,
0: was amazing, but I can't be a shill for spam. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> as much as I would want to, please. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I think the Spam the, – the, the real reason, though, that I think it works outside of my just really dumb humor is I think people like to look for it in the background of TikToks. And for a really long time, I was putting in the background of almost every single TikTok. Uh, there are probably some of you went back. You would be surprised to see spam like way in the back and yeah. i i am i'm really big into easter eggs like i like that in my tv shows i like that just in general on media that i consume i love inside jokes uh that you can like that that make you feel like you're within the inner
0: circle of Whatever this grand video or or brand or whatever is right. That, that's my favorite part about even just getting to follow someone like you on Twitter. Where you know people that follow the account of Washington Post or whatever or whatever the brand might be. Right. It's always great getting that insider look at like the person's okay. commentary and their, the kind of inner workings of what they were thinking when they released the content, which is always a fun little thing. You know, it's it's kind of dumb. Like there's some people I guess that would be cynical about it. Like who cares? But like it is. In a lot of ways, like, looking inside, like, an artistic uh, process almost is as goofy yeah. as it is, you know.
1: And that's fine. Like, And the thing is, if they don't want to see that, then they, they don't have to. Like, exactly. they don't have to follow me. And, and, yeah, like, I'm one of those people that I... It's it's crazy that The Office is so prevalent now because of Netflix, but like when I was in high school, I would get the Office DVDs and I would I'd rewatch them constantly and then I would listen to them with the director's commentary. <laughs> so like the fact that The Office is now back is and you probably have seen it in the TikToks like a lot of them are sort of mockumentary style mm-hmm. shot and they they're meant to look like The Office, so like it's such a great advantage to me that Gen Z loves The Office. But uh, going back, like I would, I love com- DVD commentary. I've listened to it like for Lost, for like any show that I was really into, or any movie that I really liked. The second I get home, uh, and my wife lets, I'll, I'll just like read trivia for three hours about the movie. I'll read everything <laughs> to the point where I've where I've ruined the movie for myself. Like I'll read, I'll, I'll I'll find out how what act like what movies these actors were in together before. You know, I'll look into like how the movie was made, how they like, how much money, things that no one needs to know. It it really matters to me for some reason. So, in that sort of same vein is why I just like to build what I jokingly but also seriously say is the the sort of TikTok cinematic universe. I,
0: I, literally, I mean, somebody just made that meme to me actually on Twitter today about Stakem. Right. they were like, this TikTok is like, if TikTok's brought us anything for Stakeham, it's that it's a window into the Stakeham cinematic universe. And I was <laughs> exactly. dying. Yeah. Like, it's so true. And yeah. and even at the end of that rant, I mean, I'm again just this is so uncanny that you were meant to marry my wife because she is just so <laughs> obsessed with the office and i can't stand it like i i i never used to hate it but when we started dating and then moved in together and and since then like i have she she watches the show 24 7 like she's at least watched the entire thing through three four probably five times in the past oh, yeah. three years and yeah. It's like the theme song has become, it's like PTSD for me. Like when it comes totally. on, I'm like, no,
1: like that. Oh, and the theme song on Netflix, for some reason, Netflix, the theme song is like, it's bah. so loud. <laughs> TikTok has a meme about that too, which is great, where it's like, uh, yep. yeah, falling asleep and then, bah. yeah. So, Literally.
0: And, and she falls asleep to it too. So, anyway, this is all just like, it's, it's, well, I'm sitting here rolling my eyes, like, oh my God, this is my, she's gonna listen to this and just be like, oh, great. <laughs> tell, tell her I say hey. I'm just no, but, uh,
1: but, uh, no, but, 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 like, I I think part this is I'm genuinely interested in the commentary stuff of whatever anything I'm into, but I think sometimes I do it because, like. The, the first time I got really passionate about something was this small little book you might have heard of called Harry Potter. Oh,
0: my uh, God. Again, she's obsessed with Harry. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is like – this is so well, difficult for and, me to hear. And
1: maybe she will – maybe she'll, you should ask her about this afterwards And uh, depending on her – how she gets into Harry Potter. So sure. uh, I – how she gets it, you know. <laughs> Didn't sound but, weird at all, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Just depending on what Harry does for her. Anyway um, – <laughs> So in this fantasy book, I, I I I I can't say anything seriously now. But my my grandpa actually he had come back from Scotland, and this is like 1998, and I, I'm like seven, I think. And so he comes back from Scotland and the books are technically here in the U S but no one really knows about them yet. Mm-hmm. And so he brings me the first two Harry Potter books and I got so obsessed with them. And then like about two years later is when Harry Potter took off in the U S like actually became much more of a known thing. And then the movie came out in 2001, the first movie. And so at that point I would as like now I'm ten or eleven, and I just hate it so much that everyone else uh suddenly cares about this thing that I've cared about for <laughs> a, already a fourth of my life, you yeah know? Harry
0: Potter hipster, of course, yeah, it, old tr- as it really
1: it really is the Harry Potter hipster thing, and like and so the way I reacted to that was like, oh, I'm going to read everything else by Harry Potter than I can read, so I would get all these like these fan theory books that people would write, like unofficial biographies oh of j k Rowling. Uh, there's this podcast that's still out. It's in its like fifteenth year, called MuggleCast. I was just,
0: she, lit, my wife, literally, she sends me links to this show all the time. Like she's <laughs> she's gotten shouted out by them on her Twitter because she's always like doing their trivia that's things. That's <laughs> incredible. They,
1: MuggleCast followed me back on Twitter like two years ago, and I was like so delighted. It was ridiculous. That's anyway, great. <laughs> uh, so like, I, I that is how I would the the point being that I I coped with everyone else being a fan by being a bigger fan. Like I wanted to know more than they did. So. Yeah. By doing that, felt like I was more—I don't know—it was still my thing. Uh, So
0: yeah, so fandom in a lot of ways is like your daddy issues. Like this is Uh, this is your childhood trauma. It's just that – daddy
1: issues. (laughs) Like that's you know it's not bad.
0: It's great, man. No, that, that that's awesome, and, and it's true. Like having that, I don't know. Like maybe it's part of just like people like ours personalities. Like we're kind of obsessive, and and want to get things just right. Like it, it is part of that, you know, that drive to to make something, to create something, and understand the whole process of how it's made. Which is it's it's cool to be able to look behind the scenes and see all that. Right. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) I forgot how we even got there. You're right. Yeah. No, no, no No worries. (laughs) I I was wondering too, like in all of this, because on that note of just being someone who gets obsessive and, and kind of gets into this behind the scenes and and does all this digging, you, I know you've said you've like worked on like other, like doing like video production for other brands and whatnot. But I mean, have you ever gone into something like this on your own, like for your own sake? Like, have you ever created a YouTube channel for you or like done something for you in a way that's like projecting your ego and your thoughts out there? And you, I know you kind of, this is, I'm already answering my own question. I know you mentioned earlier, <laughs> you did like a podcast about Survivor, yeah. I guess. I mean, that's the example, but have you done like anything else other than that, like that's kind of put your, yourself out there or is this all really, as you see it, like for work in a way?
1: Um, it's really, it really is just that podcast. And, and, and to that extent, like that podcast has become such an extension of like, like, yeah, we talk about You know, survivor week to week, but like it's it's also so my brother in law does that with me, and a a good friend from college, and like I otherwise that friend from college, I don't think we would still even you know, talk to each other. We just, we don't live in the same city. And, and my brother-in-law, like I now talk to him more than I talk to any of my three sisters. Like Mm. we have now talked to each other for like thousands of hours. It's all recorded. It's all (laughs) recorded too, in case anyone (laughs) needs it. Uh, But yeah. And so like I, uh, that is my outlet for that. And the only reason I don't do it more for myself is I just, I can't spread myself too thin because as you mentioned, like right before, like I am very obsessive with things and in a way that I know how to be like. I know when to bring it, to bring it back, um, and if I, like, made my own TikTok account, which I do have a dummy account, but I don't use it, mm-hmm. um, I, I would just stretch myself too thin because I would also, like, sort of demand perfection within myself, and and I just – I don't think I could do it long term. Even the this, this Silly Survivor podcast, like, even that stretches me thin during the Survivor season. Yeah. So it really is, like it, – it's not for lack of wanting to, but um, – th- th- and I do – you know, I mentioned – when I started at, at IJ in 2014 at that joke site, like I liked the challenge of like putting all of my energy into trying to appeal to like what would become Trump voters on Facebook. Like it was really exciting when I actually got a post that I felt good about and that they actually enjoyed. And so I do like the challenges of like putting myself into that, you know, brand or news organization uh, just like I do now with the TikTok Washington post. So if I, you know, I'm sure one day I'll, be in a position where I can do that more for myself. But I, I do like the collaborative nature of working with other people too.
0: Yeah, no, I I, f- I couldn't have put it any better. I mean, I feel the same way with any project I've done where like I started doing this podcast, like, I don't know, like a year and a half ago or something like that. And it was w- sort of, after the steak and stuff had calmed down a little bit, so I had, like, some extra energy to put into it. But as soon as, like, any other work picks up, like, in the time that I've done it, like, I've picked up a bunch of freelance-type work, and, like, I physically cannot exert the amount of energy needed to like make this what it is as, as it was before where it was like basically a weekly podcast because it's just not there like i don't have the time and if i did it it would be just less than what i want it to be like i wouldn't be enjoying it the same way because just like stressing my schedule at that point and and also like you said i mean if you're gonna run something like even with the the, the stake of tiktok now i know from personal experience through doing their twitter that if i'm gonna make this any good at all like i have to pretty much put all like not all my time but like a substantial part of my schedule into that so like when i'm home at night thinking of like eating dinner taking a shower watching tv whatever like when i'm thinking of ideas that just come to me i'm like putting those ideas toward this project like if they were if those ideas were going toward like a personal project like this would not be half as successful as it was which mine you know Sigma TikTok's not it's not doing numbers yet but like it's doing okay for like just starting right. out so like I know to get something off the ground, like you have to put that semi obsessive nature into it, which I think is important in like balancing your your creative energy because you don't, it's not it's not an yeah. unlimited thing. So it's it's cool that you're you're aware of that at least.
1: And that's what it comes down to, like, and and just in general, like, even just just the TikTok account by itself, like, just run just creative energy it's really it, I mean I think more people understand it more now like even within journalism like they do understand the creative people in the corner like need time to recharge and or just like they're, we're not going to be on every single day but it is like you there is an expectation there and it's really hard to keep that creativity moving forward like I've definitely had sort of moments of like I just I, I can't really do it today.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I was wondering about that. I think we we kind of touched on it earlier. I mean, at this point, because you have been doing them for what, like half a year or like a little over half a year now, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you've been doing it for a while, like pretty consistently. I mean, do you feel at any point like the sort of anxiety of like of pressure built up because now you have an expectation of like what it should be? Like, is this something that consumes you at all, or do you do you like manage that pretty well?
1: I I'm getting better at managing it It, it, there's kind of two factors there's there's the expectations I set completely just arbitrary rules I made for myself Mm -hmm. that now other people Uh, as far as I can tell, and they do seem to like abide by it. Like I said, from the very beginning, I'm going to publish Monday through Friday. So at least five and then maybe one or two extra if I have time. And so, and I was, and I'm going to do it between noon and two every single day. And so by setting that standard, you know, I, I did sort of like dig myself a little bit of a hole where I was like, Oh, I'm going to have to commit to this. Um, but then as I mentioned, like I had that Slack group where I have a bunch of people who can throw in random ideas. So I've gotten pretty good at like, having that group there, if I need them, like if it gets to be ten thirty AM and I still don't have an idea, I, there's a number of people in the newsroom who are like all coming from different backgrounds and perspectives who constantly, not constantly, but pretty consistently will have an idea for me ready. So, um, I've learned to deal with it by just basically barring off the creativity of others, which again, it's all collaborative anyway. Um, most of the account is like kind of on my back in terms of all the work that goes in, but I've learned to sort of allow other people to, to, you know, bringing the creative juices when I, I just don't have them because that's a very natural thing to happen.
0: Yeah, that's super smart. Like, there's been even just the past week alone, like there's been days where I come in to work and I have all these ideas, and then that day I record like four TikToks throughout the day, and then the right. next day I come in and I just have nothing. Like I couldn't right. think of an idea if my life depended on it. Like I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm just done at that point. And then, but yeah, it's, it's so it's cool to have that infrastructure where people are feeding you creativity for when for when you uh, when the well is empty, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, it goes without saying, I didn't mention my name, but Michelle Jacconi is my, my boss. Now it was my, my direct boss and she was my boss at IJ too. So I basically now, She's yeah, she's she was the person that when I saw she got the job at the post, she had she had left IJ a few months before I still had a a friendship with her. And I was like, can I emailed her and she's like, I was about to call you anyway. It's like, great. So she was my my in and basically my recommendation, but also, you know, hired me to her team. So basically now I've been she's been my boss for off and on almost four years. So that that's really important for me too, is that I have someone that I not only do I trust, but that she also knows how I work and she trusts that I will get it
0: done on my own time, which I, which I have. It's so important. It's it's insane. How many social media managers and content creators that I've talked to that work for bigger companies or even smaller companies and just the roadblocks they come into, not only between like with the bureaucracy of their company, but just the fact that like, their management or their, like, C-level people just don't – either they don't believe in them or they don't understand what they're doing and there's just, like, no real relationship there that could help, you know, fuel their creativity and keep them wanting to try new things. Because, like, if you don't have that environment in place, I mean, you're – constantly walking on eggshells you don't know right. when the right time is to to push the envelope or to reel back or how much time you should even invest because like they don't even care so it's like it's so good to have that in place that relationship
1: yeah and it's it's worth pointing out that before michelle at ij because she wasn't there when i started there the, the guy originally hired me was great, but he wasn't really in charge of me. And then the person they brought in before Michelle was awful, like truly one of the worst. Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to say I don't like to just call people out. Just it would be vindictive at this point. But like this person was not a good person just yeah, no, outside totally. of the job. And so. I, uh, I, it's good that that happened in retrospect because now I know what it's like to not have that support. Um, it, like, and I'm basically just reading what you said, but like, that is so important to like, just even wanting to come into work every day, even if you like, enjoy the job you have or are very excited about the job you have and the job title. Like, it's all about uh, the people that there are there that are going to make it a good or bad day for you.
0: Yeah, totally. And I'm wondering, too, like, with the, the management structure there, like, and I'm sure you've had similar conversations with your coworkers or maybe even, like, at the managerial level, but, like, have you talked to any of them about just, like, what you think will happen one day, when, if and when, I should I shouldn't say when, but if and when, you leave the post, like having your face so attached to this image. Like, <laughs> right. have you thought at all about like what the, the sort of transition or what the the future of this like broader brand looks like now that it's kind of so like cemented itself to to your face in a way? Um,
1: I've certainly thought about it. I we so we uh, I, the short answer is we have year end evaluations, except they take place in like February mm-hmm. because we're a giant company. Um, and I am positive that's going to come up then. Um, I, if I had to guess, uh, the account would kind of, I wouldn't take it with me, but it would, it would probably sort of fizzle out if I was not running it. And that, and that's not to say I wouldn't like if they said, Hey, okay, you're leaving. That's fine. Can you help transition this account? I would love to that. I'd be totally happy to do it, but I don't know. Unfortunately, I've kind of like built my own car to my like with its own levers and I built that car around me and it'd be very difficult to like get out of the car and put someone else in that seat. So totally. Yeah. And so, and, and I mean, that's sort of the, the one downside of creating something so specific that works is like only you kind of have the touch to make that machine work because you created it. So, uh, which is a fun metaphor, but it's, it's not fun for (laughs) the Washington post if that were to happen. Um, but yeah, I, it hasn't really come up yet. I, I will say, like personally for me, I'm still very happy to post. So not that that's what you're asking, but like I, the part of the reason I don't think about it maybe as much as I should is I just right now like I'm having so much fun and, and the election uh, coming up. I'm going to get to go to Iowa, New Hampshire. We're going to go to the Super. Yeah, we're gonna and outside of that, we're going to the Super Bowl and the Oscars. Like I get to do all of this stuff like all within the next month and then even after that. So uh, I'm just I'm excited about that, but uh, it, it is. It's a tricky situation, but I generally everyone's pretty happy. So I mean, what I don't know what we're gonna do. Oh no, yeah, and it, and it's like, yeah. what
0: else can you do? Like you said, yeah. I mean that's that's part of what kind of comes along with building a personified brand in a way. It would be the same thing if like I don't know some other media publication had a YouTube channel and like a program on that channel was specifically centered around one personality. Like when they leave, you could theoretically replace them, but like. It's so difficult to not just find the person to train, but, like, to find someone with the right personality who's... And not even just the right personality, but the right traits that are going to, like, pick things up to the same standard you left behind. Because, like... Right. I thought about the same thing with Stakem. It's like, if, if the client came back to me and was like, hey, we're bringing in someone else for this job. We'd love it. And, you know, if you helped, like, this transition period, I'd be totally down, obviously, to, like, help train someone to do right. this. But past a certain point, like, there is a certain, uh, I guess I'll, I'll say, genuine care on my end about the people mm-hmm. that I'm interacting with that either you have that or you don't. Like, you, either this is a job to you and it's just, like, this is what you do day in and day out. Like, you're you're posting, you're applying, or you're, like, personal with it. And that bleeds, that usually bleeds through to people. Like you were talking earlier about just like people on TikTok being able to, to sniff out in authenticity. Like that's something you can't really teach someone. So you got to like find someone who already has that. They have like the same work ethic. They have the same OCD where they're like trying to get things the way you did them. Like there's a lot of factors that Make it really right. difficult to replace someone that, that's done a personified brand image like that.
1: Yeah, and you almost have the instinct to go, oh, well, then, like, I should help transition this person, but I should tell them to do something completely different. because yeah, if Yeah, right. Yeah, because I, I feel like – and this is sort of related. Like, I, I love Trevor Noah. I think he's one of the funniest stand-up comedians. I think they – I think even hiring him for the Daily Show was really smart. I think trying to do the same format with Trevor Noah was such a Disaster. like a big mistake. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and and I you know I've now had like a, a really the opportunity to to meet a bunch of people there because of their TikTok account and like everyone there is so smart and so funny. Like I I think a lot of the people are there that were with John Stewart. Like they have all the pieces there but they're making a show that I don't think they should be making and so it's just like it's that it's like you, you shouldn't try to replicate it with an entirely different person who like isn't yeah, I, I'm just going to repeat myself, but like, it, it's just not the, it's not the right fit in that way. You should just use what you have to make something much better and different.
0: Yeah. Cause you, cause you also bring on the baggage of, of expectation. Like you're not, exactly. you're not going to yeah. fill Jon Stewart's shoes, like no matter right. how good or funny you are, I mean, you kind of have to, you know, do something different just for the sake of the audience, who's going into it already expecting this, this sort of not even, uh, it's not even like a high, low level. It's just a very specific product that they're now not getting so i mean that yeah that, that's so true yeah right and john stewart and i i mean i wouldn't say there was like
1: drastic differences but they made they they changed it a lot when they took it from craig Kilborn to john stewart in like 99 or whatever that was mm. like that show had already been around for three years and then john stewart came over and they made it something very different and they did it in a much they made the show better so like i i think it's obviously following John Stewart's stuff, but uh, you know, we could go down that rabbit hole all day, but I do think that like, it's almost better sometimes just to completely straight change strategy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I'm, I'm with you, man. It's going to suck when one day you have to, you know, bring on the, the Trevor Noah to the Washington post. It's going to be a <laughs> rough time. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, man, no, you've been, you've been uh, great with your time. Man. I, I just looked at yeah. what, what time it was and I, I appreciate you, you hanging sure. in there for all this has been fun. Um, do you, I guess we can end it with this. I mean, like, looking into 2020 at this point, I mean, I'm still very new to this platform, so I'm still trying to figure out, like, how relevant it's been to how relevant it's going to get. And I know we can kind of all make like whatever predictions we're going to make just on armchair analysis, but do you have anything that you've been thinking going into this year that you think, uh, that TikTok's going to become, like, do you think it's going to become more mainstream? Do you think, uh, other brands or other like media publications are going to join it? Like, do you have it? just general thoughts looking into 2020? What do you got?
1: Um, I think if, if, uh, t- well, there's, there's one big thing. If TikTok ends up basically separate itself from the, the China entity. Um, I think it'll change a lot as a company, not for the reasons people think. Like, I think obviously there's privacy issues and concerns and all that stuff. But um, I think that their strategy going forward might be very different. They might change the algorithm if it's a US-based company again. And, and so I think that I'm on the lookout for that just happening in, in, at all. And, and if it does, then I expect... They'll probably make just big changes in the app and how it's run. Um, so I can't predict what they'll do, but I, that's something I'm certainly looking ahead for to see if that happens. Um, in terms of like other brands being on it, I think if TikTok continues as it is, it, it we talked – I sort of mentioned like policing as a thing, like it's almost community policed on the app, mm-hmm. I think. Brands do well that are good at TikTok, and and as far as I can tell, that's still happening. Like TikTok certainly is really good at having these native ads where they have trending hashtags with brands, but like they've done a really good job so far of making those trending hashtags work within the the TikTok sort of overall personality and brand. So um, I don't think that like as more companies get on it, it's going to actually change it. I think it's just about Basically, the app continuing to innovate, but also trying to maintain that sort of wholesome image. So I'm excited to see if that sort of sticks around, but uh, it, it it'll be tough to it'll
0: be tough to, <laughs> to predict every move. What, what do you think is going to happen? No, that's great. I'm 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 with you pretty much on all that. The only the only thing I've been thinking about recently, just as I've been like spending more time on it, is just how interesting it is that. It's getting covered more in the media, not just not just by like the obvious like main like, you know, establishment news pieces that are like TikTok privacy issues, like you said, which is kind of an ongoing issue that's being discussed, but more like. On the cultural level, like we're seeing more internet culture style reporters, like Taylor Lorenz, or hmm. um, the, or uh, I think how do, you, how do you say her last name? Calhan Rosenblatt? Is that Rose,
1: Rosenblatt? Yeah, Rosenblatt.
0: Rosenblatt. That's like she's great. Like there's uh-huh. a bunch of reporters that are like starting now to get more traction covering <laughs> it. So I'm just interested to see like over the next year if that becomes more of a trend and then we see more direct media attention on it, which would then, like, kind of potentially elevate it to the point where, like, with Twitter, like, pretty much anything that happens on Twitter is covered in the news because, like, obviously journalists all hang out on Twitter. So it would be interesting to see, like, if there's any kind of movement there to get more um, eyeballs on the account. Because it does does feel like more, not just, like, celebrities and brands, but just, like, more, um, like, notable People in general mm-hmm. are joining it, and it feels like it's getting more comfortable in the mainstream than it was like a year Definitely. ago, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I think um,
1: it's, it's as crazy and chaotic as as this event is, VidCon is a really good predictor of like – the next eight or ten months, because VidCon last year in June, I wasn't at this most recent VidCon, but what I heard from the at the post reporter who was there is that it was all TikTok. Like YouTube was the wow. YouTube stars were there, but it was like already about TikTok. And so I'm really curious. I am going to go this year in June, and I'm really curious to see what that looks like because it does seem to sort of predict, you know, not far in the future, but enough in the future that like uh, VidCon in June last year was already well on the TikTok train, and that was part. Of the that momentum, uh, as we had reporters come back from from VidCon and talk about it, was really important for me in pitching TikTok at the post and keeping it going. And that, like, hey, there, that's all they did at VidCon was TikTok. So, uh, I I think that will be like a really good way to see where TikTok's at in about what four months.
0: Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's been very interesting watching a lot of the people who criticized tiktok or just like made fun of it as a meme or whatever like a year ago and now slowly come around to being like sharing them and even joining the platform so that's like it's always interesting watching that shift happen so yeah very cool man yeah do you have any like uh closing stuff you want to either say or like like where you want to take people to your twitter account or anything like that like just any closing bits uh well uh this podcast was brought to you by spam and <laughs> clearly yeah that's my bit
1: uh no i mean yeah just follow follow on tiktok watching posts and you can follow me on twitter at dave jorgensen uh but you know don't follow hockey talk singer Dave Jorgensen. The guy, I, don't, I forget what his Twitter is, but uh, yeah, follow,
0: it, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but really, I, I think uh, as you said, if you're interested in sort of the behind the scenes, I, I try to do my best to to uh, show what's going on with each TikTok every day, and like I'll, I'll put a thread. Below that TikTok of behind the scenes or just little tidbits about it. So if that's something you're interested in, definitely
0: follow. It's great, man. You know I recommend it. It's awesome. Yeah. So and I'll plug in the in the show notes all your links to to whatever you want. We'll talk about it after. But again, really appreciate the time. It's been super fun. Um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. My coffee finally ran out. So uh, I mean, but... <laughs> that's that's how you know our time is up. So
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: Perfect. All right. Thanks, man. See you. No, no problem. Bye.